catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Cast your weekly audio source of all things world wondering stardom right here on the Pod Mania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. I'm joined as ever by independent wrestling's Matt Turner. Matt, how the devil are you? I'm fantastic, Rob. I, I hope your weekend was well. Uh, probably wasn't as eventful as mine as we just spent the last 15 minutes off air talking about the craziness and goodness with my weekend. But uh, how was your weekend, sir? Oh, yeah, significantly less exciting than yours. Um, there was no wrestling seminars and personalities. It was uh, it was quite low-key. Um, at the moment, I'm sort of nursing a tear in my calf, so I can't do much. Um, so me and my girlfriend went out for a bike ride this morning, which was quite nice. Um, but aside from that, aside from that, not a lot, really. Not a lot. Um, would you like to give the listeners a sort of summary, very brief summary of uh, of your weekend? My weekend literally started Friday as I pulled up to my house. It was my daughter's prom. I will be uh, posting pictures probably in a little bit, probably even before this drops on the Twitter, just so everyone can see just uh, how uh, gorgeous uh, she looked. And uh, it was my wife. Uh, my wife is an absolute perfectionist, and it works out in the best way nine and a half times out of ten. So she was. It was about a three-hour ordeal to get her ready. Not only that, was like this is like a three-week ordeal buying dresses. Uh, trying on dresses. I think they try, she tried on something like 37 or 38 dresses. I'm not even joking. Jeez shoes made, Yeah. I like, I was lucky. I just stayed out of the way and signed the checks and like, hey, you need my credit card? <laughs> like, I, like for me, it was so easy. I was like, not a problem. I got a podcast to do. Uh, so so uh, there was that. Obviously, that was a whole, a whole host of fun. I was telling Rob before, I said, 
I said, if the, uh, if the entertainment in my house gets any better, I might have to start filming it when we might do another uh, separate Patreon tier where it would be like the five-star Grand Prix winner where you can just watch the craziness that happens in my house. <laughs> it's so, so darn entertaining, man. It's so darn entertaining. So that was good. That was Friday. Uh, Saturday, I got up early so I can go to the gym and then drove about an hour to do a uh, Get TV Ready seminar with Kevin Kelly and Alice in Danger. Uh, that was really, really good. Uh, Alice in Danger was actually roommates with CM Punk. Uh, when I was training at the Ring of Honor Dojo, and there were some times that Punk would either be stuck in Nashville for the uh, TNA, uh, NWA TNA tapings, or I think one time he was stuck in California for a little bit when he was wrestling for PWG, and I, then I think he went away for a month to go work for Zero One. So a lot of times uh, Danger would run the Ring of Honor Dojo, and by run, it would, I mean uh, she would do like a little bit of the calisthenics and stuff that Punk would have us doing. I don't think it was like the thousand squats. I think she felt bad for us because she was such a sweetheart. And I think we only did like three or four hundred. And then instead of uh, having uh, have to wrestle CM Punk after you do all that and have him you know, just wear you down and stretch you, we just did yoga. So she was an absolute sweetheart. Uh, we talked about some old times and, and whatnot, talked about some women's wrestling. So uh, that was really, really fun. And the, uh, the one of the really good things about it was seminar was over around four. So by the time I came home, I was home enough to have dinner. So I was like, it was like the trifecta. So, uh, so that was a whole host of fun. But um, I kind of just want to, not that I want to take this on a negative level, but uh, and I know uh, we have a lot to talk about, and I know this is a, a stardom podcast, but obviously if you guys listen to us long enough, you know that me and Rob are big comic book nerds, and the comic book community suffered a big loss this past week when legendary uh, comic book artist and creator Neil Adams passed away at age 80. Um, I don't know how familiar you are, uh, Rob, with uh, Neil Adams' work. I'm sure, you know, just being kind of a fan of the genre you probably heard the name pop up a few times oh yeah definitely i mean it's one of those where i know the name but i'm uh i'm unfortunately criminally uh underprepared with his work i'm afraid oh, okay well then i'll i'll t- touch on a, a few things and then we'll we'll jump right into the goodness that is star just because i just want to say a couple words that you know when it comes to comic book artists in my opinion it's jack kirby neil adams and everybody else um, I mean, he's the greatest Batman artist of all time. I mean, hands down, I don't even know who's second best. You know, no disrespect to anybody. But not only was Neil Adams just an incredible comic book creator and art and a, a credible, an incredible, yeah, an incredible artist as well, but he did more for the actual comic book creators than probably anybody else. Are you familiar with the uh, Siegel and Schuster uh, Superman incident with, uh, with DC that Neil Adams helped get resolved? Yes. Yes, I am, actually. Yeah, where basically the long of the short was, and again, I'm not going to all the details, was Siegel and Schuster created Superman, obviously the most recognizable superhero of all time. I mean, everybody knows the S symbol. And they were really, you know, kind of down on their luck and really desperate for money. So they sold 100% of the rights over to DC for something like some crazy low number. And I could be off a little bit. Some crazy low number for like $200 a piece. Like, that's all that DC gave them. And they also took their names off the script. Like, you always, even to this day, like, if you watch Superman and Lois or any of the Superman movies that came out from 77 until now, or if you read any of the Superman or Action comic book uh, comics, it, it says Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Well, they even wiped for, like, 15 years. They wiped out their names from any of the credits. Well, the movie's getting ready to come out. And Neil Adams pretty much goes to DC and was like, how much are you giving, you know, the boys, you know, Siegel and Schuster? Like, well, nothing. They signed their rights over. It's like, you guys are about to make millions upon millions of dollars, not only with this movie, the merchandise you're going to make from it, and then the uptick in comic book sales for Superman. 
is going to triple, and you're not going to give them anything. So he he fought for their uh, their rights uh, on that. And uh, if anybody wants to know any more thing about Neil Adams, he did a, a series of interviews with Kevin Smith. They actually he actually just re released them like two or three days ago. It's uh, uh, Batman, uh, Fat Man Beyond. It's like uh, I think there was like three different interviews where he spliced them all together. It's like six hours long. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, just fascinating. And then the kind of just to you know, put a bow on this, like my personal experience with Neil Adams, I would go and see him every year at New York Comic Con. And he had, when you go into the, at, at the Javits Center in New York Comic Con, there is a separate place where the art for the artists. It's called Artist Alley. It's about two football fields long. But Neil Adams, being such a legend, would have his own booth on the main floor. And I think I even saw Marv Wolfen, who uh, did Crisis on Infinite Earths with George Perez. He uh, he even said something along the lines of like his booth was smaller. It was a slightly smaller than a small battleship. And he's right. I mean, this thing was massive. You had to navigate your way around all of his merchandise to get to the middle where Neil, Neil was. And he was almost like a very intimidating figure just because of like just the legendary status that he's that he's done. But I probably have more Neil Adams uh, signed merchandise than any comic book creator uh, that I've ever met before. So it's uh, my sister were always either for my birthday or Christmas would always get me like a variant cover that Neil did, you know, signed by Neil. So he's always, like I said, I met him eight or nine times. Super great to his fans. Super nice. Super knowledgeable. Um, just a, a terrible, terrible loss in the comic book community. But a guy whose uh, legendary status will live forever. Yeah, definitely. And obviously we extend our condolences to his family and uh, friends and he's in our prayers. Um, however, let's let's elevate the mood somewhat and let's start talking about stardom because matt what a show the cinderella final was before we get into anything before we get into the news and all the shows that we're going to be covering the cinderella tournament final show a really 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 good show really solid yeah absolutely that there too before i know some i was talking to some people online it might have been a discord where they were contemplating like buying the pay-per-view just because it's like well there's only the ti- one title match and then the Cinderella semifinals and finals. And I'm like, look, I'm obviously going to buy the pay-per-view. One, I'm going to support the media. Two, we obviously, we do this podcast and we love doing it. And three, I think it's going to be worth the money. And I don't think anybody that bought the pay-per-view was, was disappointed at all. I mean, it really uh, exceeded all expectations. My expectations were pretty high, but I thought everything was really, really solid. And especially, you know, obviously we'll get into it, but even like I was kind of, we were, when we previewed it and we, anybody talks about it, I think we were just looking forward to see who was going to be the tournament final winner since nobody was even close on their final four picks. <laughs> and obviously the main, obviously the main event, but the match that everyone's talking about and the match to me that absolutely stole the show was the high speed title match. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because when we actually get to it on the podcast, there's quite a little bit of discourse around this match. Um, obviously, you know, perpetrated by uh, by old Disco Inferno on Twitter, so I'm sure we'll get on to that. But honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. It's my first real exposure, um, aside from, you know, her Battle Royale appearance and things like that of Mesa Rugger, and I thought she was absolutely brilliant. I thought she killed it. Some of her transitions were absolutely amazing. Um, I thought Suri versus Himika was brilliant. Um, I thought the final was good. I didn't expect the final that we got, but it wasn't a disappointment. Um, even the gauntlet tag was really... It's probably my favorite gauntlet tag Stardom have done. I mean, when we were previewing the show, I was like, it seems 
so much like a let's just hike everyone onto the card in this big schmoz. And to a certain extent it was, but the wrestlers made it work. It was such a fun little match. You know, never in a million years would a gauntlet match crack three and three quarter stars for me, but it did. Um, And moving away from the Cinderella, you know, they did two shows, one from Kyoto and one from uh, Kobe. And both of those shows were really, really good as well. That Artist of Stardom Championship match was good. Um, The main event of the KBS Hall show, the Queen's Quest versus um, Cosmic Angels match was really good. Um, And then Sayurida versus Natsupoy was really, really entertaining. Watching Sayurida completely light up Natsupoy really good so starting in a really 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 good place there's loads of statistics that i'm going to fire through um that show you just how good the place is stardom is in at the moment but before we do that let's fire into some news the first bit that i want to talk to you about is what we actually got announced at the very 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 start of the pay-per-view is that hazuki's mystery sensei is Blue Justice, former IWGP heavyweight champion, Yuji Nagata. Now, there was so much, so many predictions, you know, Kagetsu, Liger, Milano Collection AT. Um, what was your opinion when you saw that it was uh, that it was Yuji Nagata, Matt? Well, Rob, you know me pretty well. You know the style of wrestling that I like, and obviously Yuji Nagata fits that mold perfectly. So I thought that was absolutely great, and I, I saw the still clips of him training, uh, in the dojo, and I would not be shocked to see uh, Saeeda starting using the Nagata lock as like one of her finishers. Like she kind of, she's kind of on her way back. Uh, I think she was just using like the corkscrew brain buster, but I wouldn't be shocked if you see like maybe her or like a Hazuki using uh, some of Nagata's stuff as her finisher. Uh, so I thought that was uh, that was really really good. Obviously, I'm a huge huge fan of Yuji Nagata, and I believe he even did. The commentary on the Cinderella uh, pay-per-view, am I, am I correct? He did indeed, yes. And then Momo Kogo, um, I think, was a guest commentator after the um, after the Gauntlet match. Yeah, so how about that? So that was, and I think even when uh, Kogoma came out, she, no, it, was, it wasn't, uh, when Mirai came out for one of her matches, I think she had a poster from when Yuji Nagata, I think it was like his final his final G1 appearance, they gave everybody uh, in the, I think he wrestled Bad Luck Fale in his final G1 match, and they gave everybody, I want to say it was in Cork and Hall, like a, a some sort of poster, Yuji Nagata, and she brought it to the ring and gave it to him. So I don't know if she got it somewhere, or if she was in Corkin for that, or she bought it on eBay. I'm not sure, but regardless, I still thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. And you took the words right out of my mouth with, you know, Stardom posted a video um, of stars training with Yuji Nagata, and of all the people in that faction, the one who I think would benefit most from adapting some of Yuji Nagata's moves is Sayurida because she's that sort of explosive, heavy hitter like Yuji Nagata was, or is still. Um, and I think Sayurida could really, really benefit from that. Um, yeah, overall, I can't see a bad thing, really. Um, moving on a little bit more... Um, there is obviously the eighth episode of the monthly Puroresu magazine, which is coming out on May 8th. Um, and in that, as I said on the previous podcast, there are um, Q&As with Julia and with Rossi Ogawa. Um, they released a little, just a little taster of the Julia Q&A. And there was something I found quite interesting, Matt. So I just want to get your take on this, because I don't know if you've seen this. Um, Julia was asked who she would like to face outside of stardom and she gave four names and these are the four names asuka or venny um 
Io Shirai, Tony Storm. And after that, I'd like to wrestle Tay Conti, who said she wanted to fight me. She said she likes Japanese wrestling, so we might gel. So those are the four wrestlers that Julia wants to wrestle outside of stardom. Do any of those take you by surprise? No, not really. I don't know too much. I know. I think we talked about Oscar and Venny on an episode, you know, maybe two or three weeks ago, and I don't know too, too much from her. Uh, obviously, who wouldn't want to wrestle Io Shirai? Tony Storm is a big name, you know, after her release or when she left. So she, I mean, she's just leaving the biggest company on the planet. Not, and everyone thinks that she, we're, she's going to pop back up in stardom. Obviously, she's the first wrestler to win the Cinderella and the Five Star in the same year and is a former Red Belt champion. So that, obviously, that wouldn't take me by surprise. The Tai Conte, obviously, they've been kind of teasing that she would go to Japan, and I think she would be a good fit to kind of, you know, she kind of has those MMA skills. I think she's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu, I think uh, black belt or white belt or something like that. So I think it sh- I think she would benefit maybe like three, four months in Japan, especially with, I think everybody would benefit, you know, that long in stardom. So none, none of those names, you know, really, really surprised me. And those are all matches that I would like to see, especially the Tony Storm one, and obviously, especially uh, the Io Shirai match. That would be a match that obviously I would love to see take place in stardom, which would mean that we would get Io back. But that's that's a whole other podcast for another day, sir. <laughs> um, obviously, you know, anyone who's anyone in the Joshi fandom wants to see Io Shirai fight absolutely everyone. So that's that's not surprising. Tony Storm obviously has been at the very, very top of stardom. So I'd like to see that again. Ask her what a wrestler she is. Uh, the very little that I've seen of her, she is tremendous. So I think her and Julia could put on a very, very good match. Now, the Tay Conti one is... Now, I know that obviously at the moment she is uh, garnering rather a lot of heat as uh, the the uh, other half of Sammy Guevara. Um, but... Taking that aside, how would she wrestle against Julia? And it's a case of would Styles mesh well between her and Tay Conti? Honestly, I I don't know. I don't watch enough of Tay Conti to actually know what her wrestling style is like. Unfortunately, my knowledge of Tay Conti is very much um, localized to social media, which perhaps isn't the best. Um, But... There's all she, wrestles a, she wrestles a very stiff style. She throws a lot of really stiff kicks, mm-hmm. um, like pump, pumping kicks, almost like in the vein of maybe like a Yoko Bito. And then you're getting Julia, who's just on an absolute tear. And then you're throwing it in a Japanese stardom ring, which is, I'm assuming, where she would, she'd want to go. Uh, I mean, so I, you, you take that into consideration and then, you know, make, make your own opinion out there, my man. But yeah, she works a very, very uh, heavy striking submission style. And obviously the place to see that would be this Forbidden Door pay-per-view, which we haven't really talked about because the chances of Stardom wrestlers showing up on this pay-per-view are very slim, seeing as Stardom are running a show on the exact same day. Their battle at the top show is the exact same day as that. Um, pay-per-view too, I believe, right? It's it is pay-per-view. pay-per-view. So the chances of anyone showing up is very slim. However, you know, whether it's one or two wrestlers show up at this um Forbidden Jaw show. I don't know. Maybe Mayu Iwatani goes and defends the SWA belt if she beats Tekla for it. Maybe we you see... Want my prediction? Say again? 
You want? Uh, I'm sorry. You, I, I actually have a prediction about this. If I, I mean, if you want me to insert it here, or... please do. Why not? Whilst we're on the subject. Why we're on the subject? Because I figured we would probably bring it up in one of the previews. But obviously, the pay per view coming up at the end of this week is Mayu Iwatani versus Tekla uh, for the SWA belt. Which Mayu has said that she wants to win that belt to not only become the Grand Slam champion, but she wants to defend it all over the world. My thing is the SWA belt will be her key to the forbidden door. See what I did there? Huh? Like it. Like it. Well done. Look at that. So uh, I think that you you will see, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, and maybe this is just my stardom bias, I think you're going to see Mayu defend that belt on that pay-per-view. Then I also think you may have like two underneath talents on that pay-per-view as well to kind of maybe put over some of the AEW wrestlers. So this way it's like one win for AEW, one win for stardom. So say Mayu beats um, Rio. I'm just using it for example because their familiarity with uh, with each other. And then maybe you bring in like a Lady C and like a Miyu, you know, two of the younger talent, and they lose a, like a bumper tag match, like a five, six-minute tag match. So they play like Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter. Again, I'm kind of just throwing it out there. So I think that that would be a good thing to do. Now, obviously, a lot of people are saying, well, they won't do it because there's a there's a pay-per-view that day. And I understand that. But if you lose a Lady C and you lose a Mio, not that detrimental. Now, again, I'm talking about Mayu Itani, the most respected wrestler in all of stardom, the icon of stardom. So would it be a detriment if you lose her for a pay-per-view? And I would say yes and no. Yes, because it's obviously you want to see Mayu. But no, because of the fact that she was kind of in... A lack of a better term, and I don't mean this disrespectful, and a, like a throwaway tag match at this pay-per-view, and they drew almost 2,100 people. Not only that, but if you take Mayu out of the equation and you put Kari in, and you finally do that Kari-Tam match that they kind of tease at a World Climax, I think the Stardom fans will uh, will forgive uh, old Rossi Ogawa for sending the icon of Stardom over to AEW for their pay-per-view for the day. But again, that's just my prediction. I, I must admit I agree with you. I think if Mayu wins, and I think it's unfortunately poor tackler, but I do feel like it's a case of when Mayu wins more, if she wins, um, that is going to be her cue to go wider afield to start looking for uh, for challenges, especially since the borders of Japan are going to be opening sooner rather than later. Um, let's move on then, because... Really quite early on in the show for the Stardom Cinderella Tournament, they announced more information about the five-star Grand Prix. Now, as we know, it is going to be opening on the 30th and 31st at Otaward City Gymnasium. But we didn't know where the finals were going to be held. And we, we sort of had a brief sort of a imagining session, let's say, where we thought, oh, is it going to be the Eddie and Arena Osaka, something like that? But they've announced that it's going to be the Musashino Forest Sports Park, or sorry, the Sports Plaza, on October 1st. Now, obviously, I'd never heard of this venue, so I did a little bit of research. Um, and it's one of the venues that was built for the 2020 Summer Olympics. Um, it was built in late 2017, and was used for staging the badminton tournaments, and then was also used for hosting badminton, fencing, and wheelchair basketball at the Paralympics. Um, it's got a seated capacity of over 10,000 people, and at the time of recording, um, you know, looking at cage match, wrestling data, things like that, no company has run the venue for a wrestling show. So at the moment looks like Stardom are going to be the first company to run that venue. Very exciting, Matt. 
Yeah, and I don't know if you want to look into this at all, but I kind of noticed when Azumi was doing her entrance when they give out the birthday, that her birthday is October 1st, which is also the same day of the finals. So read into that what you may, sir. I don't know if that was just, you know, me just looking at the same thing at the same time, but, you know, who knows? Maybe Azumi wins the five-star Grand Prix on her birthday. I mean, I feel like after our shambolic... Like, shambolic is being kind. After our awful attempt at a bracketology for the Cinderella tournament, I feel like we should be scrapped from predictions forevermore. And especially going with Azumi, who has famously burnt me on several occasions. Um, <laughs> much as I'd love Azumi to win the five star, um, <laughs> I think we might have to do better than, yeah, but it's a birthday. <laughs> Um, let's move on then. A couple more things before we get into the show. So before the Cinderella tournament final on the 29th of April, um, there was a little bit of stardom participation at the Diana show. Um, they were running a Corican Hall show, and it was the tag team of Mina Shirakawa and Yunagi Sayaka going against the luminous team of Haruka Umasaki and Miyuki Takase for the World Women Pro Wrestling Diana Tag Team titles. Now, unfortunately, for fans of stardom, Cosmic Angels did not win the belts. The match ended in a double countout in 20 minutes and 25 seconds, which, you know, was a rather predictable result. It didn't feel like they were going to drop the belts to Cosmic Angels, but that isn't what I want to talk about here. I want to talk about what happened afterwards. Now, uh, Haruka Umasaki, who, of course, we know from New Blood 1, um, she was very frustrated with the way the match ended, and she was cornered backstage by Yunagi and Mina. Uh, Yunagi said, ending in a draw is frustrating, right? Well, if that's the case, how about you join us on May 13th at New Blood 2 as X? Your boss, Kyoko Inoue, already likes the sound of that. So... It looks, Matt, like Haruka Umasaki is going to be the Cosmic Angels X for the main event at New Blood 2. Oh, I did not know that. I did not see that. As always, kudos on you for uh, for doing your research above and beyond, sir. So that is, that's very interesting. But I did see that the match ended in a draw. I thought it was a time limit draw, but I guess it was a double count now. And, I, you know, I, that's always my if a promoter tells me, hey, this match has got to go to a draw or no contest. You figure out how to, how to get there. My go-to is always the double count out. And why is that? Uh, maybe because I grew up on uh, wrestling in the 80s and so much so much that WWF <laughs> stuff. I always end in double count out because, like, Piper wouldn't put Hogan over. Or this guy wouldn't put whatever over. They didn't trust, you know, that, that someone was going to screw them over. So a lot of it went to a double count out. So growing up at a very young, impressionable age, I watched a lot of double count outs. <laughs> uh, the power of Hogan not wanting to go over, not wanting anyone to go over him. Uh, um... No, that was Piper. That was Piper. Hogan <laughs> was the golden goose, man. Hulk Hogan was the biggest thing on my TV in the 80s, hands down. That was like Piper. That was all Piper. That yeah, was smart. <laughs> Uh, final thing before we delve into these shows I just want to put over Armani Shoe Exchange on Twitter really really good follow but they posted some interesting stats in terms of stardom attendances and they put that their average show attendance for January through April is up 82% from that same 
time period in 2019, which was the last pre-COVID year. Their total attendance from January through April is up 114% from that same time period in 2019. Um, and then another stat, apparently the company is only 206 away from matching its attendance for the entire year in 2016. And we are at the start of May. Now, they are mind-boggling statistics, Matt. Yeah, I actually just saw that about an hour or so ago before we started recording. So I know you, you Amarni Shoe Exchange is a fantastic follow on Twitter, an excellent job. Let's look at the statistics. I mean, anytime I see a crowd shot of a pay-per-view show or a show that I know I'm not going to get to in a day or two or won't be posted on Stardom World, I'm always following that account because I'm always intrigued to see what the house numbers are, which, again, it's that's always your tall tale source, whether you like the wrestling, whether you don't like the wrestling, you don't like the promo that they're doing. At the end of the day, if you're putting you know an ass in eight, every 18 inches, as Jim Ross would like to say, mm-hmm. you're doing your job right. And the fact that they're, they're up 82% and they're only a couple hundred – tickets away from matching their total from a few years ago and we're only four months of the year i mean obviously stardom they're not doing a little bit right they're doing a lot right and i'm just interested to see if anybody can ever come out with like statistics on what their our stardom world subscription uh services because i know it's getting a lot of buzz over here in the states as well there you go so no pressure on money shoe exchange but keep making our job easier <laughs> <laughs> appreciate you man can we start talking about these shows then? Because again, what a fantastic set of shows. We start in Kobe on Saturday, the 23rd of April, 2022 from Kobe Sambo Hall in Kobe, uh, an attendance of 429 people, which was a COVID restricted sellout. Um, they started around the venue in 2017. That was the last time they ran the venue on the opening night of the Goddess of Stardom Tag League Tour, and they bought in 275 people, so just under 200 people more. Um, What I'll do is I'll read through all the results of this show, and then, Matt, you can talk about any matches that you want to talk about and vice versa. Uh, Match one was a three-way match. Lady C defeating Wakasukiyama and Miyu Amasaki in seven minutes and nine seconds. Match two was a singles match between Utami Hayashista and Ruaka, with Utami going over with the German suplex in seven minutes and four seconds. Um, match three was a tag team match. The Queen's Quest team of Sayakamatani and Azumi defeating the Stars team of Koguma and Momokogo with the cross-arm suplex in 10 minutes and 10 seconds. Match four, a six-woman tag team match. The Uedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid and Saki Kashima defeating the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia Tekla and Mei Sakurai with Saki pinning Tekla with the Kishikasai in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. Your semi-main from this show was the six-woman tag team match between the God's Eye team of Suri Micah, uh, Suri Micah, no, Suri Marai and Amisuri defeating the team, the stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saeeda and Hazuki with the Suzaku in 40 minutes and 37 seconds. And then the main event was the Artist of Stardom Championship match with the champion team Mai Himipoi and the challenger team of Cosmic Angels, Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa and Junagi Sayaka ending in a time limit draw in 30 minutes. Now, Matt, what would yes, you sir. like to say about this show? Apart from, oh no, it doesn't matter. No, you carry on. 
just a couple. I know there's a lot we have to cover, and we've already been, already been talking a little bit here. So I'm just going to kind of just hit on some brief points. Uh, the third match with Sai and Izumi versus Momo, Koga, Kogo, and uh, Koga. I say that five, five times fast. I thought that was really good, and uh, Momo Kogo, she's just getting better each time out. I thought there was a really cool spot where Azumi is going for the double stomp, and Momo gets out of the way. And when Azumi hits, when she doubles back, she rolls right into uh, Inside Cradle, small package from Momo. I thought the timing of the spot and the ring position of the spot I thought was really, really crisp. So uh, that's all I really wanted to touch on that one. As far as the next match with... Um, Widow Tai versus Donald Del Mundo. My main thing is I want more Julia versus uh, Momo Watanabe. Obviously, this is completely different versions of, the, of both of them. Uh, we talk all the time. Julia is just having this, this fantastic presence ever since she's been back from her injury at the end of last year. And obviously, Momo with the heel turn. So that's a one-on-one match that I would pay money to see. I thought the show stealer of these two nights um, leading into the Cinderella was this next match? Was the God's Eye team versus the uh, the Stars team? I think that everybody needs to go out of way to see this match. This was absolutely fantastic. I just thought everybody gelled really, really well. Again, I'm not going to go into the uh, you know the finutes, uh, you know, break everything down. But I, I, I was really blown away, and we I, I talk about I think almost every week the way Sherry transitions from her striking to her grappling to her submissions. It's absolutely flawless. And you can tell she has that MMA background. So, and I thought the main event was really good. Uh, I'm not sure if it needed to go to a 30-minute time limit draw, considering the fact that Matsupoy was in the semifinals of the uh, the pay-per-view coming up here just in a few days that we're going to review, and uh, that uh, Himika was in the main event for the Red Belt Championship, and then uh, Micah has a uh, white belt shot uh, in her hometown in the main event for the pay-per-view coming up on Thursday. So I, I didn't see that it was a reason that this need to go to a time limit draw, especially when you want to tie that record. I mean, I don't think it would have hurt, you know, Yunagi or Mina for them to take like a pinfall or even like a double team move from Micah and Himika. And then maybe Natsupoy come off the top rope with one of her uh, flashy moves there. But uh, other than that, that was my nitpick, but I thought the, the main event was really, really good. Yeah, I, I want to echo your sentiments, really. The the opening two matches, we've I feel like we've seen Yutami versus Ruwaka a lot lately. Um, and it was, you know, why you would expect it to be two very powerful wrestlers just hitting each other a lot with shoulder tackles. Um, the God's Eye versus Stars match was very, very, very good. And I just want to say that that team, that threesome of Siori, Mirai, and Amisuri, they're gelling so, so well. They're feeling... And, Mirai and Ami Suri especially, because we, we wax lyrical on this podcast about how damn good Suri is. Um, but Mirai and Ami Suri, them as, a, them as a package, are just absolutely tremendous. Their power, I talk about it all the time, but they feel there's a little bit of star power there and I can't wait to see them progress. And obviously you've got a fantastic seller in Mayu Iwatani, so seeing her get ragdolled around the ring by really powerful wrestlers is uh, something I'm really, really into. But I gave that four stars. It's this and the main event are probably the two matches I would actively encourage you to go and watch. Um, the six-woman Oedetai versus Donna Del Mondo match is okay. It's good. Um, but I am slightly surprised that Tekla took the pinfall here, um, especially against Saki. who's already had a shot at the SWA belt. And I feel like May eating another pinfall isn't going to do anything. Um, it was it just surprised me a little bit that we went with uh, Tekla being the one to eat the pinfall. The artist of Stardom Championship match, there was lots to like about it. 
Now, what I did like was, obviously, this result mirrors a time limit draw that they had last year um, when, from, if you believe hearsay, my Himipui were um, supposed to win the titles at that point. But because Himika was injured, they couldn't. So they went to a time limit draw. And then, obviously, my Himipui went on to win the titles once Himika came back. So I like the mirroring there. What I also like is... In that run that Cosmic Angels had with the belts, it felt very much like Tam was always coming to the rescue of Mina and Yunagi and sort of building into that narrative of Cosmic Angels is nothing but Tam and friends. However, in this match, there was quite a few instances where Either Mina and Yunagi had to stall for time so that Tam could come round, so that Tam could recover from the beating she'd taken at the hands of whether it was Natsupoi, who the exchanges between Tam and Natsupoi were great, um, or whether it was just saving her from a pinfall. There was a noticeable change from the previous time these two teams met. Instead of being the person doing all the carrying, it felt very much like it was, you know, an equal share this time, which I did like. I also don't think it needed to go to a 30-minute time limit draw. I understand that you want to protect Cosmic Angels, and I understand that, obviously, my Himipoi certainly can't afford to uh, be pinned at the moment, but there's a question on Himika's build towards this title match as we get towards it, and it sort of echoes that her build has not been the best for this title match, and I think you'll agree, Matt. She... There's... I don't understand why she didn't take she didn't pin someone here. I mean, her pinning Yunagi, it's not going to derail Yunagi's push. It's not going to derail Cosmic Angels' push. However, it just makes Himika look that little bit more powerful heading into that match with Shuri, which, you know, no one thought Shuri was going to uh, sorry, Himika was going to win that match anyway. So build her up as this monster for Shuri to overcome. Um but that aside, I gave both the last two matches on this show, four stars, Matt. What about you? Yeah, I gave the uh, well. The last match I had three and three fourths, uh, and then the semi made the God's Eye versus Stars. I had it at four as well. So as usual, my friend, we were pretty much right on the money. But yeah, I kind of just want to echo your sentiments. Uh, the the Himika build towards the title match at the main you know main event of the last show. We're going to talk about the Cinderella finals. Could have been better. Could have been a lot better. Obviously, I think she should have got fall win here i think we talked about it last week she was in a tag match where she was opposite sherry i uh, didn't understand why she wasn't on more of the i think the last like i think two shows uh two weeks of shows that we reviewed something was like a time limit draw with, Sher- with sherry and uh and himica and i think we both you know brought up like how come sherry was on top at the end of like she was like you know putting in a submission or she was the one that was on the offensive you know as the bell rang for the draw should have went the other way around um and I thought, well, you know, yes, no, but the fact that she didn't get a win here, so you had like three weeks of kind of just like a cold build for her, where you could have been building her up more, especially the fact that she has the size advantage, which, like I said, she could have hit like a big Larry, or she could have hit the JP coaster, and Cherry kind of just rolled out of the ring or whatever, you know, as the time was expiring. But uh, yeah, kind of was a cold build up, but obviously, as we get to it at the end of this podcast, that match sure wasn't cold at all, sir. No, it wasn't at all. I don't think I've seen anyone. Um sort of negative about the match but yeah the build uh the build certainly wasn't great i think in the last four matches himika got one successful pinfall so uh there you are 
Let's move on then to the Stardom in Kyoto show. This was from Sunday the 24th of April in the beautiful KBS Hall uh, in front of 518 people. The second sellout in as many shows, which is their joint ever sorry, joint highest ever attendance at the venue and the second time they've sold it out under COVID restrictions after doing it just 10 days previously. Um, Previous outings have seen the company reach uh, 378 in 2022, 232 in 2021, 255 in 2019. Their previous best before this year was 325 in 2018 for Kyoto Max 2018, and then they drew 315 in 2017. Um, similar with the last show, we'll whip through the results and Matt, you can talk about any matches you want to talk about. Um, match one, three-way match. Kogama defeated Lady C and Tekla with the Kuma roll in six minutes and 31 seconds. Uh, match two, a singles match. Natsupoi defeated Saya Ida with the fairing ring in 10 minutes and nine seconds. Match three, eight-woman tag team match. Donna Del Mondo team of Juliet, Himika, Micah, and May Sakurai defeating the Ueditai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Ruaka, and Saki Kashima with Himika finally getting a pinfall win with the powerbomb in 13 minutes and 37 seconds. Match four was a six-woman tag team match. God's Eye, the team of Suri, Amisuri, and Mirai, defeated the Stars team of Mai Iwatani, Hazuki, and Momo Kogo, with Mirai submitting Momo Kogo with the Mirror Mare in 13 minutes and 24 seconds. And then in your main event, it was the Mitsuyoshi Amasaki Triumphal Memorial 8-woman tag team match, with obviously Amasaki having been from uh, Kyoto. Uh, the Queen's Quest team of Yutami, Sayaka Matani, Azumi, and Miyu Amasaki defeating the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakawa, Yunagi Sayaka, and Wakasukiyama with the wonderfully named Heavenly Eucharist in 21 minutes and 39 seconds. Um, so, Matt, what was your opinion of this show? Which matches stood out to you? Which would you like to talk about? Yeah, this Another solid show. I just kind of breezed through everything. But after the uh, this Saeed and Natsupoy match, there might be time to time on this podcast and in our general texting conversations that we do, that I might refer, refer to Saeeda as Saeeda Kabashi because she just throws <laughs> loads and loads and loads of chops. And poor Natsupoy, you can see she was blistered all the way from the middle of her chest all the way to her, her shoulders. So it's like jeepers creepers. <laughs> um, well, Moving on to the next match, the Ueda Tai versus the DDM. Uh, I, again, Momo Watanabe, who obviously we're huge, huge fans of on this podcast, and I think everybody is as well. Look like an absolute killer here. Like, just an absolute killer. Like, she would take a couple shots and then kind of just breeze through them and then just throw, like, one or two really big kicks. I thought Momo looked really, really good there. Uh, and and Himika just destroying Rock with, a, like, a zillion lariats and then a big power bomb. That is a match, uh, you know, Momo versus Himika. It's a match that I would like to see in the future. Uh, for this next match, you're going to get a kick out of this. So we had the God's Eye team versus the Stars team, right? My first two notes. Really good exchange between Hazuki and Mirai. Possible Cinderella final preview, question mark. <laughs> Even better exchange between Hazuki and Shuri. Possible Red Belt uh, uh, title match preview after Hazuki wins the, the Cinderella tournament. Question mark, question mark, question mark. But I thought that that was really... I, 
However, I thought the match was really, really good. I thought this was uh, the best match of the show. Not by much, though, because I thought the main event was really good. I kind of like what they're doing with the Utami and Tam, where Utami, where they were kind of doing, you know, Utami turns into Tam for a brief moment. I thought that was uh, that was pretty good. Uh, I'm a big fan of how Cosmic Angels in these uh, six-person, eight-person, how they do their triple team and their quadruple teams. Like, you'll see, like, Queen's Quest, they were doing, like, double teams. Like Utami and Sayat, they obviously because they're they're a normal tag team of Aphrodite, they would do like a double team move. And then you would see Miyu and Azumi, they would do like a double team move. Uh so they would do like almost like back to back. Where Cosmic Angels was a little bit different. They wouldn't do two double team moves. They would just do one quadruple team move. And I thought that was pretty cool. Where there's just showing it's like, hey, we're more in sync as a four than you guys are as a two and two. I thought that was that was a pretty cool little you know, mini storyline that I picked up. But I thought it was really cool that they gave Miyu the, the pinfall here. I know she's like from around the area, but it's the main event, you know, on this uh, pretty much go home show for the pay-per-view. And they gave the rookie who like we talk all the time. She's wrestling three or four years, you know, above where she's at. And I thought that it was really cool that they gave her the win here. So it was a nice little rub, you know, to uh, send the crowd home happy. But I thought both these shows were absolutely solid leading into the, uh, the pay-per-view. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, that second match between Natsupoy and Sayurida, I think it's fair to call it the Gory Chan Massacre or the Gorilla Chop Massacre because poor Natsupoy. I mean, there was a great, I think it was on the official start on Twitter, and Natsupoy does her post match comments and she's obviously jokingly, but in tears because her chest is that red. She was so excited to face Sayurida and Sayurida just chopped the fairy out of her. It was. It was brutal. Um, but <laughs> Nadzapoy selling it during the match was also incredibly entertaining. Like, trying to chop Sayurida back and not being able to, <laughs> and then trying to turn away from being chopped and then just getting chopped in the back. And then Which is worse. Yeah, exactly. As a pro wrestler, chops <laughs> in the back are where I'd rather get chopped anywhere, anywhere on my body, literally anywhere on my body, than getting chopped in the back. Just take the chop. It's so damn stingy. God bless her. <laughs> but then Daichi tries to get in the way and he eats a chop. Sayurida was just on fire during this match. It was really, really entertaining. Um, like I say, Himika finally got that pinfall that she could have done with maybe two or three more of in the build. Um, God's Eye, again, putting on the best match of the show. They're, at the moment, the most entertaining Pardon me, in ring faction for me. I don't. I don't know about you. I know you're a big fan of the stars team of Mayu, Hazuki, and Kagame. Yeah, I mean, considering the fact they've only been a team, you know, not that long, and then obviously, you know, as we speak, Golden Week is happening, and then they they they're adding in, you know, one of our collective favorites in, in Kunami. So it's like, geez, you know, this team is like on an absolute roll. Like if Konami decides to stay on after Golden Week, which, you know, knock on wood or wherever, or, you know, fingers crossed, this will be like the most loaded team since like Queen's Quest last year with Momo, Utami, uh, Saya, uh, Kamatani, and Azumi as well. So, I mean, that, that was, you know, those three, and then you're throwing in, you know, a special attraction from time to time with Konami. Just absolutely brutal. Again, for the style of wrestling that I like, you know, the serious, the you know, the hard hitting, the great psychology, the building to submissions, the building to to finishes, uh, the building to big moves. I mean, those four are just absolutely fantastic. And it's in the fact that I've only seen, you know, Amy Sora just you know, just for the little bit that she's been in stardom, but completely blown away by uh, by what she's doing. And I mean, Mariah as well. I mean, look at the look at the way this roster is just shaken up since the beginning of this year, and obviously in a super positive way. And again. 
can kind of tell by the attendance as well. I mean, obviously, we're enjoying it here. I know majority of our fans are enjoying the new roster shakeup and the matches. And obviously, uh, you know, the uh, the fans over there in Stardom World as well, if they're drawing, you know, these, these you know, consistent sellouts as well. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Now, obviously, the most exciting thing in the main event was the return of uh, Utami Nakano. Um, and <laughs> I, I do really enjoy how Utami will do little flashes of Tam and then will pretend like it never happened and sort of look at Tam like, what are you on about? That never happened. And even Queen's Quest have started to play into it now. Like, you can hear Saika Matani going, no, nothing. Nothing. She didn't do anything. And I just, I quite like that. <laughs> just that little mind game between her and Tam. Um, but Miyu was great. And then you could see what it meant to her when she did get the pinfall. Um, just burst into tears. The poor girl was so nervous at having to address the crowd at the end of the show. Because, you know, this is, I mean, she's probably still in single digits of matches wrestled for stardom. So to close the venue where she said at the start that she'd seen so much wrestling before, you know, she'd been there all the time watching matches when she was little, to win at that match, to get the pinfall in that main event at that venue and then close the show, it's quite overwhelming for her. So I thought she did tremendously well. Um, but yeah, another solid show. Um, I don't think you'll, I don't think there's anything worth skipping. On either of these shows, I think they're good quality wrestling and it's just, it's good fun. However, the main event of this podcast is, of course, the crowning of the Cinderella Tournament winner 2022. And that took place at the final show on the Friday, the 29th of April 2022 at Ota Ward City Gymnasium with an attendance of 2,017 people, which is the sixth largest reported attendance in stardom history it's the largest attendance drawn at Ota Ward city gym by stardom having drawn 1240 at tokyo gym cinderella and 1539 to the five-star grand prix final last year so a huge huge attendance at this and when you put the fact that we are at the end of april they drew round about two lots of 3,000 for the World Climax shows and this 2,000 here. They've done tremendously well, again, at exposing Japan to stardom, Matt. Yeah, absolutely amazing. And again, kind of piggybacking on what we talked about just a little bit ago, considering the fact that you had all your big stars, you know, majority of them, all tied up in that gauntlet match. You had Sayakamatani, you had Yutami, you had Mayu, you had Julia, you had Tam, um, you know, whoever else I'm forgiving. Considering the fact you had all your big stars kind of tied up in that match, that I don't think anybody was like, I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the show. I'm like, oh, wait, they're doing this gauntlet match that Mayu Tani's in? I'm in. But considering the fact that really they kind of sold over 2,000 tickets based on the, the semifinals, the finals, and that main event match, I mean, it just goes to show you the depth of that roster. It's absolutely insane. Just, just to show you that it's like anybody can really carry the ball right now. I mean, obviously, you do have your kind of big core three or four that uh, that people are paying to see. But the fact that you have Himika in the main event, and she's drawing, it's drawing almost 2,100 people. Absolutely. And kind of, again, no disrespect, kind of cold. She's kind of going into this title challenge cold, and you're still drawing almost 2,100 people. Absolutely a phenomenal number. 
uh, and just goes to show you how loaded that the roster is, you know, from start to finish. And it's just, it, it's just kudos onto the champion. Uh, obviously, Sherry's doing a great job, and kudos onto the booking for for Stardom because they're making everything, you know, fun, fun to watch and sensible. I and mean, we talk about it all the time. Like one of your favorite, one of my favorite storylines going on right now in Stardom is about someone who's never won a match before. Not only not winning a match. But like when they put her in these multi-person matches, she's eating the pitfall. Like so, it's just, it just goes to show you how amazing just the booking and storytelling that Stardom is doing. And uh, it's and again, this is two thousand people without you know we had Kari at the back at the last uh, the last two pay per views, and she wasn't on these shows. Probably not going to come back until June. So it's like you know you pull the trigger on her every now and again, but you're drawn you're drawn this house with just that loaded roster. Just kudos kudos to Stardom. It's really a phenomenal job that they're doing. And don't forget, Stardom are running out towards City Gym again at the end of this month for Flashing Champions. So we could have another great attendance there. And then, of course, we've got the um, Battle in the Top show in the middle of June. And then we've got the Five Star starting where we've got two shows out towards City Gym and then the final as well on the 1st of October. So honestly, loads of good things coming our way from the world of Stardom. But in terms of the Cinderella tournament, we started with a pre-show match which aired for free on YouTube, which was a three-way match. Amisori defeating Wakasukiyama and Mei Sakurai with the Brain Buster in four minutes and 19 seconds. Um, what a Brain Buster. Um, but also, Wakasukiyama debuting some new gear, Matt. And I want you to split this because you're the deciding vote. I loved it. The smartest person in the room at my house, my wife, didn't like it at all. Wow. Where do you follow where do you follow this? And and she doesn't listen to this podcast, Rob, so you don't have to worry about any backlash. <laughs> and she's not on social media. So where where do you fall on the on the new Waka uh, look? Oh, in that case, your wife is entirely wrong. Um no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I liked it. I mean, it's one of them where she's been due an upgrade in terms of a gear. I thought she looked great. I thought she looked the part. Um, it's a shame that once again she comes up short here, but I think both me and you had Ami Sori winning this, didn't we? Yeah, over Waka. So hey, we got that. Hey, we, we got something right, and then the next one we're gonna say is Cinderella. Look at that. It's a rarity. It's it's like it's it's almost like you know, getting hit by a lightning bolt while holding the winning lottery ticket. That's how rare. It is when it comes to me and you right in the Cinderella tournament. Absolutely. And I asked for questions on Twitter and Discord and Patreon. And a lot of the questions were, how could you be so wrong about the Cinderella tournament? And honestly, I have no idea. It's been so difficult to predict in terms we, of this year. What we might do next year is me and Rob might just get hammered drunk and pick it better because i think that might be a better way we might just get just obliteratedly drunk and just be like all right here we go <laughs> yeah just just literally pick a name out of that um in terms of this match wacker looked great i thought wacker sort of her attack of may sakurai was really good um but amisori was obviously very 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 dominant here very very cool looking brain buster for the win um, in four minutes, 19 seconds. I gave it two and three quarter stars, Matt. It was a fine opener. Yeah, I didn't I didn't rate this, but I guess I'll give my uh, usual three stars because everybody worked hard and nobody got it. Your gentleman's three, why not? 
Match two then, and the opening show of the main card, sorry, the opening match of the main card, was our Future of Stardom Championship match with Hannon, the champion, defeating her other sister, Hina, with the Hannon special in six minutes and 26 seconds. Um, I think Hina has grown a tremendous amount as a competitor, and I thought these two, as you would hope with them both being sisters and just like her, with Hina, I thought these two had great chemistry, and I thought they put on a very good match, Matt. Yeah, um, again, they they kept it short. I, I like it when these uh, these big shows they open with the future starter match because you're going to get a solid match, a fundamental match, and a match that kind of gets in, gets out, does what it needs to do. But uh, fundamental wrestling to start. I mean, some really old school, just fundamental wrestling to start, and then they kind of picks up the pace a little bit. And they had a lot of really good, you know, near falls. Couple uh, good two counts here. Um, Hina hits her with like the big ending, uh, that that big move. I, I don't know what her name is. It uh, Hannah gets onto the ropes. I thought that was really cool. And Hannah hits the Hannah special. She got, and then Hina winds up kicking out, and they wind up going back and forth. And then there was a really good uh, get a clutch by Hina that got like a two point nine count that the crowd really really bid on. And then eventually she uh, uh, Hannah hits the backdrop driver an ode to Dr. Death, Steve Williams for the three count. Uh, solid. I had this one at three and a half stars, sir. Yeah, I had it at three and a quarter. I think Hannon is doing really, really well with that future belt. I don't see any reason to take it off her at the moment. My prediction that Amisori would come out and challenge Hannon did not come true, which is a shame. Um, there was no challenger, but obviously um, on the 13th of May at New Blood 2, um, Hannon and Hina will be teaming against the Just Tap Out team of Aoi and Tomoko in Naba. And Hannon has name dropped in Naba because she's the Sendai Girls Junior Champion. So I get a feeling that we might get an Inaba challenge after that um after that new blood match, which I wouldn't necessarily be against because both Inaba and Aoi looked very, very good last time we saw them. Um, we then move on to match three, which was our first Cinderella tournament semi-final match with Kaguma defeating Hazuki with a roll-up in six minutes and 17 seconds, further cementing the reason why nobody should ever listen to me. <laughs> me either. <laughs> Again, I got to put on the artist so after the tournament was over, Amber didn't watch any of these matches because again, this was this was this was so poetic that my daughter's prom was on the same day as the Cinderella final. So she's like, "Just tell me who won." I was like, "I can't believe that!" Like Koguma went to the like she went to the final, like just kind of just blew everybody's mind. She didn't say anything for a couple of seconds, and I'm like, "Here comes the words of wisdom." She goes, "Well, every now and again, I listen to when you record the podcast, and you and Rob always talk about." how over she is and she gets the most out of her opponents and the crowd really loves her and they love this bear thing and she's getting the biggest reaction out of the audience. So why wouldn't they put her in the finals? And I was like, how, how, how did we not see that? How did we not see that? I was like, she said, that's just logic. You got to put, you got to push somebody that's getting over with the crowd and having really good matches on a consistent basis. So I was like, son of a gun. <laughs> God damn so it. Go just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't that just make sense? I just explained it to you. I was literally, I, I think I, I, the tablet I have in my hand right now for my notes, I think I had it. I think I threw it on the ground like a pissed off football coach and stormed out. Like, I think that's what, that's what happened. <laughs> but, uh, as, as far as this match goes, yeah, it was a good, it, you know, you have the former tag team champions and last year's, uh, uh, you know, a t- goddess of stardom, uh, 
tag league uh, cha- tag league winners, excuse me, uh, going against each other in the semifinals here. So you kind of have a really good dynamic. I thought it was they started with the bear dance, which is really funny. You can see Hazuki trying to take it a little seriously, but then she can't help herself with the crack up. Uh, Hazuki rely- relies on a lot of kicks and submissions to to get the advantage, and they did a really really cool spot on the outside where they it looked like you know it was like you know what's great about the Cinderella is you can do false finishes not only submissions and pins but you can do them on the apron as well for the elimination. I thought that was really good, and I really really like the finish. I know sometimes when somebody hits a big move and they get rolled up by it, I'm not a big fan of it, but this one makes sense because the uh, the code breaker that Hazuki uses it's basically she's taking the back bump, so she's taking the ma- majority of the bump. So I thought that was really cool and something I've never seen before where it's like Koguma just like basically just locked up, locked up, like tied up, you know, her legs with her arm and then jackknife pin almost like for a fluke pin. And then you can see Hazuki was like, ah, OK, you got me. So I thought that was a cool little counter to one of uh, Hazuki's big moves. So I thought that was a that was pretty nifty and it was a really, really good match. Again, you're getting one of these ladies is going to have to wrestle twice. So you're not going to get. Uh, anything really, really crazy because you have to save something for the final. But I had this one at uh, three and a half stars. I really enjoyed it. I actually had it at four stars. I I loved. Oh, wow. I loved the chemistry between these two because I I really like it when tag teams fight, just because they know each other so well and they have such great chemistry. And they showed this here. You've got Kogama, who is very much the light-hearted comedy relief which you know that's how she's seen she's still a phenomenal wrestler let's let's not you know uh, sure. make bones about it but you've then got hazuki as sort of the straight person to you know kogama trying to get everyone to do the bear dance you've got the entire stars banging on the ring apron on the outside and you've just got hazuki who refuses to do it kicks her in the face and then throughout the match you see little moments where hazuki's shouting at kogama to take it seriously which I love. And then that moment where she transitions that code breaker into a roll-up, brilliant. It came out of nowhere. It was short. It was sweet. But honestly, these two women looked really, really, really good together. Was I surprised that Kogama came out on, on top? Absolutely. Was I disappointed? No, because Kogama's great. And the more chances I get to see Kogama wrestle, the better because she's fantastic. And I hope, genuinely, because this is her second final in two consecutive tournaments, and I hope she gets a singles opportunity at someone that isn't just the high-speed champion, because I feel like she deserves it. I think on... I don't want to say a lesser pay-per-view, because that is not fair, but like Natsupoi did when she challenged Tam for the white belt, I think Kogama could be a great challenge for that white belt. She's proved against people like Julia, um, against um, Azumi, against Sayakamatani, that she is great against bigger opponents, against you know more powerful opponents. So I'd love to see Kogama go up against that, but I gave it four stars, thought it was great. Kogama moves on to the final, um, which I think surprised everyone because not only did I have Azuki to win, I also, in our power rankings, ranked Kogama bottom, as did you. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're like, it's, it's, said something along the lines of like Hazuki and Mariah are like right there, but we gave Hazuki just an edge. And then a couple steps below was Natsupoi, and then a couple steps below that was Kogama. I'm like, well. <laughs> Oh, what well, do we know? Can't win them all, can you? Yeah, um, at, least, at least we're we're terrible at predictions, but damn, at least we're entertaining. <laughs> uh, we move on to find out who Kogama will be facing in that tournament final with our second semi-final, Mirai 
defeating Natsupoi with the Miramare in eight minutes and 14 seconds. Um, this was perhaps, I'd say, the more predictable result. I think even though we had Natsupoi slightly higher in the power rankings, I think deep inside we both knew that Mirai was advancing here. I think that, I think we might even said, well, if Kagama wins, maybe they'll have Natsupoi because they have, this way they'll have the styles. You know, they like the high speed, the high speed. But, uh, you know, this match and just with the finals, they had styles clash and both matches really good. This was my favorite match of the whole entire tournament. Um, I thought this was really good because you had the styles clash. You had Natsupoi, you know, using her speed and you had her going up against Mariah, who's a heavy hitter. Uh, we alluded to before uh, that probably Natsupoi didn't want to get hit anymore, considering the fact what Saeeda did to her just a few <laughs> days ago. So maybe she was moving just a little bit faster in this one. It was like, well, not only do I want to win, but I don't want to die either. Uh, but I, I thought that was... <laughs> I thought that was uh, kind of, you know, uh, uh, maybe just a little, a little, a little mini story I had going in my head. But I thought it was really good how it was just like Natsupoi was just dodging a lot of Mirai strikes. Eventually, Mirai hits that left-handed Larry, and as the match is building, Natsupoi hits that second rope German onto Mirai. Jeepers, criminies, holy jeez! That was like the spot of the match. That was just she landed her really like high and tight. So it was in a safe spot. Like she threw her perfectly in the way that Mariah was able to land and just tuck her neck. But if that thing was just like, a, you know, a half an inch off, I mean, I don't even want to think about, about what a half of that was. It was, it was scary to look at, but it was, the landing was safe. And the way that Natsupoi just like throws that German suplex where she doesn't bridge. It's just a thing of beauty and scary all at the same time. Um, I thought the Natsupoi towards the end was she got a, a lot of, you know, close near falls with a high speed offense. Eventually, Mirai works the arm. She gets in the uh, double wrist lock for the tap. Again, this was my favorite match of the tournament. I had this one at a solid four stars, sir. Same with me. Four stars. I mean, these two just went to each other. It was great. And whereas, you know, we talked about how Kogama and Natsupoi would have the same sort of style, this was such a clash of styles, but it worked so well. You know, whether you want to tell the story that Matt did about how Natsupoi is basically going, now, now you can't catch me, I'm the gingerbread Natsupoi, um, so that she can't get slapped by uh, Mirai, or whether you are sort of supporting Natsupoi as the underdog, or you want to watch Mirai behead someone with a lariat, whatever stance you're taking, this was an enjoyable match to watch. Mirai looked great, Natsupoi's suplex and how she is able to hoik people around the ring, irrelevant of their size, never ceases to amaze me. And you're absolutely right, Matt, even here with the, someone the size of Mirai and someone who there's such a size difference between her and Natsupoi. Absolutely astonishing. Um, Mirai's lariats, at one point she completely turns Natsupoi inside out with one of those lariats. It looked phenomenal. Um, eventually locks in the Miramare um, for the win. Eight minutes and 14 seconds. I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this match. Look, both semifinals delivered and we get a Mirai versus Koguma final. Now, answer me honestly, Matt. Did you, when we knew it was Mirai and Koguma, did you immediately go, right, well, Mirai's winning them? Well, here is how I found out. So this show started i think around three o'clock in the morning for me so uh two days a week i do a home workout i do yoga mixed in with the gotch bible if you want to know what the gotch bible is it's a message me i'll tell you what it is phenomenal workout um 
So this was Friday. So as I woke up and I was like, oh, you know, I'll do my home workout while I'm watching this. When I when I uh, put the pay-per-view on, it was right at the tail end of the gauntlet match. So then they, you know, made the announcement. It's the final for the uh, Cinderella. I said, okay. So Mariah comes out and I was fully expecting for Hazuki to come out. And I was like, oh, wow, we were off on this one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so that that's how I found out. So I, I know... Um, you know, we talked only a little bit about the pay-per-view, but I know we didn't talk nowhere near as much. How about you? When did, when did you find out when you were, were you as shocked as I, as, as I was? Um, I didn't, I didn't expect Kogama to get through against Suzuki. Um, I mean, props to Stardom for not getting the easy route, I suppose, but I felt like there was a story there for Hazuki, especially after, after coming in and not, I mean, she was in the, obviously FWC with the tag champs, but not, some people have called it an underwhelming run. Um, I don't know how I feel about that, but I can I can sort of see where they're coming from. Um, but again, take nothing away from Kagama. She thoroughly, thoroughly deserved to be in that final. Um, and again, I imagine you were surprised when the ice cream music came back on. Um, let's move on to our gauntlet match then. Match five, a six-woman tag team gauntlet match. Right, get ready. So... The Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Mina Shirakara, and Yunagi Sayaka defeated <clears throat> the Donna Del Mondo team of Julia Tekler and Micah, the Ueretai team of Starlight Kid, Ruwaka, and Momo Watanabe, the Ueretai team of Saki Kashima, Fukukin Death, and Rina, the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saida, and Momo Kogo, and the Queen's Quest team of Yutami Hayashishita, Sayakamatani, and Lady C via over the top rope elimination in 25 minutes and 12 seconds. <gasps> <sighs> that guy a shot at Jack Daniels, folks. <laughs> Genuinely, though, really, really fun. This I enjoyed this light years more than I thought I was getting to, Matt. This one, twenty five minutes. Is that what you're saying? It did indeed. Didn't feel like it at all. I just going to go through my notes because they were <laughs> my first note for the uh, for this first match is it's the Sayahita chop line exclamation point exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> uh, Sayahita Kabashi chop line, I guess. Uh, I really enjoyed the springboard magic killer triple team uh, move that Queen's Quest did. Um, choke slam uh, gets countered. Lady C's choke slam gets countered by Mayu Iwatani. Uh, I thought that was really good. Um, so then we get into uh, where the uh, Wedotai team, the uh, Ruaka, Momo, Watanabe, and Starlight Kid go up against the, uh, the uh, excuse me, gets the Stars team. My one note for this match was that uh, more Momo versus Saya Ida, please. That's obviously you would have the chop versus the kick, so that would be that would be uh, almost like Kenta Kabashi versus Kenta. You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna go the Kabashi route, I thought that was really good. Uh, then we get uh, you know one of your favorites comes in uh, the the, uh, the other way to time team uh, Fukin Death, who basically was your I believe was was she your original pick to win the Cinderella tournament? Could have been at this point. She was. Uh, I'll be honest, I could, I could have picked anyone. I still wouldn't have got it right. I thought this was fun. We're having the two heel teams, uh, you know, not only two heel teams, but the same faction go up against each other. I thought that was fun. Um, and then you get the, uh, you get the, <laughs> I'm stumbling over my words. I'm laughing so hard. You get the down, down Mundle team of Micah Tech and Julia. I thought that was really good. There was a lot of really good triple team spots from the two of them. Obviously, uh, Micah hits the, uh, I put Micah must really not, not like Ruaka because she just drills her with this big Stan Hansen S Lariat and the Mijinoka driver for the win. Um, and then we get the Cosmic Angels team. Uh, they come to the ring, and it's basically the uh, Donna Demento team. She they basically do the jump start. 
I don't know if they didn't want to see uh, Tam dance, which if that was the point, I have heat with Julia. But I thought that was really, really, really good. And like everything flowed really well and everything was really fun. And then Julia and Tam, they turned back the clock a year and some change and started slapping and stiff headbutting each other. Uh, just basically a really good way to end this because you're playing off that feud that is still there. There's still, I think, more to see. I still think somewhere down the line there's another one or two big matches out of the two of them. And then Julia just eats that disgusting German out of the apron for the, the elimination. I thought that was uh, that was really good. Nice little you know thumbs up from Cosmic Angels considering the fact that they're always seem to be eating losses in these uh, multi-person matches. So that was good for them to get a uh, get a big win uh, on the pay-per-view. Now, answer me this. Do you think that Julie was supposed to hit the floor on that elimination? Oh, I thought it was, yeah, because it looked like she was going to hit the floor and then she tried to Shawn Michaels in and then came back out. I thought it kind of added to it because it was kind of like, you know, sometimes like when a boxer or a fighter gets hit with like a big blow, they kind of are able to hold on for like a half a second and then it looks like they're going to be okay and they go to take a step forward to, you know, get the positioning back. And then you could see that they're, that they're, they don't have anything, you know, their legs are cut out from underneath them. So I don't know if that spot was screwed up, but I thought it added to it. I don't know if she was supposed to hit the floor or not because it looked like she was trying to hang on. At the same time, it's like, where else do you go from there? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. not unless Donald Dumunda was supposed to win, but you always want to end the match, especially with so many people in the match, with your biggest bump your biggest move and a German suplex on the apron, especially in a match that you can win by over the top, kind of your biggest move. So it's like, where else, if she wasn't supposed to be eliminated from there, from that spot, where else would you go again? Not unless Julia was not unless the Donald Dumbendo team was supposed to win, but considering what happened post-match, I don't think that uh, they were supposed to. No, I agree with you. I think, I think cosmic angels were always supposed to win. I think Julie just worked me with how well, she did with the struggling part of then falling out of the ring after the German. But it ju- I, I did look at it and go, I don't think she was supposed to be eliminated then. But I do think either way, Cosmic Angels were uh, were winning that. I thought it was interesting that it was Julia um, that they eliminated, but even so. Um, and I do just want to put over the Oedetai versus Oedetai exchange because I don't know whether it's years of being conditioned by New Japan and Bullet Club versus Bullet Club matches always being a schmoz and ridiculous but i wasn't looking forward to the oedetai versus oedetai thing but genuinely i thought it was the best part of the match i thought it was great like you got the little mirror bits of cheating on each side of the ring then they both they all did the sort of fukigan death cigarette thing then carried on messing about they were both they were tripping each other and everything i i did i enjoyed it i enjoyed it massively um but Post-match, obviously, Cosmic Angels are standing there. They've won, and they are confronted by Colors. Now, I knew nothing about Colors. Um, I've heard a lot of good buzz about them, but I don't know anything about them in specifics. However, Karen Patterson on Post Wrestling is doing a weekly segment sort of going through all of Joshi. Uh, it's called Dream Slam Weekly. It's great. And there she's done a little introduction to Colours. So I'll sort of read what she has written. Um, so the independent freelance troupe Colours originated in AWG, so at Res Girls, with several members electing to form a freelance unit after their group was nixed from AWG. Their brand of pro wrestling is action fiction fantasy with themed trope uh, tropes sorry it is a four-woman freelance group the members are saki hikari shimizu 
Rina Amikura and Yuko Sakurai. Now, obviously, we are seeing colours at New Blood 2 with Amikura and Sakurai taking on Momo Kogo and Saya Ida. Um, but there was an exchange between these two groups um, where they seem to want to challenge Cosmic Angels and um, Yunagi, for some strange reason, was being a colossal asshat about the whole thing. She bit one of them because... Of course. Um, and then there was a really heartwarming moment where uh, Hikari Shimizu went up to Tam, gave her this huge hug because it was actually Tam who inspired Shimizu to begin pro wrestling. She was inspired after watching a Tam Nakano match, which I thought was really nice. So she was effectively meeting her hero in the ring, which was nice. But I get the impression that we are heading down the line of a Cosmic Angels and Colors feud, Matt. Yeah, that's the way it seems. And I know next to nothing about colors. I had no idea who they were once. They, if they weren't wearing the shirt that said colors, I obviously wouldn't know anything. Uh, I wouldn't know, excuse me, I wouldn't know they were from colors. Obviously, this pay-per-view was not in uh, English subtitles. So I had no idea what they were saying. Shame on me, as maybe I should pick up another language because I don't have enough to do. But uh, yeah, I mean, interesting to see where it's going to go because obviously you have the prominence thing coming in. You have a lot of new faces that have been coming in since January. So, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing where it's going to go. And it gives Cosmic Angels something different to do than the constant multi-person tag matches they're having with DDM. So at least this will be something a little bit different. And it'll give the girls from Colors, you know, a, a rub, you know, that they're going to be wrestling uh, the Cosmic Angels. So, uh, yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. New sometimes is, uh, is always better and fun. So, uh, yeah, interesting. So... Yeah, that's that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on then to match six, the high-speed championship match. Azumi, the champion, defeating Gato Moves May Suriga in, um, in 13 minutes and six seconds with the Azumi Sushi. Now, a couple of things to say just before we get into the match. Um, the press conference for the Cinderella tournament. So during that press conference, Azumi declared that if she successfully defended, then... She basically said to May Suriga that you need to form a tag team with me. Um, obviously, that didn't happen. And that was what that little exchange was post-match. Basically, Azumi saying, are oh, you going to fulfill your promise? But May Suriga said, you haven't begged me enough. So I imagine we are getting a tag team between the pair, but not as of yet. Um, in terms of the match, however, Matt, I know you were incredibly high on this. Yeah, this to me was the match of the night. And again, you know, looking at the paper, you're kind of looking at the semifinals and finals, obviously the main event. So you're looking at this because of the fact that I know, you know next to nothing of May Saruga. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Izumi. I thought it was kind of weird that she was been wearing her new fancy uh, shiny purple and gold gear for all the lead-up shows. And this one, for the big pay-per-view title match, she wore her old gear. I was like, huh. And I'm looking at it, I'm like, maybe she just didn't wash her old gear. That's that could be it, but I thought that was that, that, that was interesting. But this match completely blew me away. Completely blew me away. Just the timing of the spots, the speed that they were doing it at. Like one of the one of the one of the things that blew me away the most is they're doing like the high speed offense on the outside where they're doing the rolls up and down. And after they've already done a whole bunch of fast spots in the ring, and then Mesaruga grabs Momokogo's headset and starts cutting a promo. And gets a reaction from the crowd. She's screaming at the top of her lungs. Now I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm a wrestler almost 20 years. And I know that you play, you know, football, you know, our soccer, as we call it over here in the States. And there's a lot of running involved. 
say you run up and down that field three or four times. Are you going to be yelling right afterwards and cutting a promo? I mean, I don't know how good your lungs are, but probably not. The fact they did all those spots and then she was able to grab the headset. I don't know what she yelled, but she yelled it very loud. The fact that she still had air in her lungs and that she was able to work the crowd and got a huge reaction from the crowd completely blew me away. But I thought the spots that they did here were, were fantastic. There was, I was bitten more on the false finishes on this match than I was the main event. There was a couple times where I thought, holy jeepers, they're going to they're gonna put the belt on Mesa Ruga because she was countering a lot of Azumi's moves. Um, I thought there was the, the, all the near falls were really, really good. Uh, I like the psychology where eventually it looked like almost Mesa Ruga was beating Azumi at her own game and the high speed where Azumi's just like, well, I got this arm submission. I'm going to keep going for it. Uh, and she was kind of building upon that. And eventually Mesa Ruga was countering it. And then eventually I thought maybe Mesa Ruga was just a little bit too fast for her own good. And she got hit with a double... Uh, the double Ozumi sushi. Uh, I thought this was terrific. I see some people's complaints, you know, with the ref spots that they had in the match uh, for someone who likes serious wrestling. I see your point there, but I don't agree a hundred percent because it was very insignificant compared to like all the great stuff that happened in the match. It was only 15, 20 seconds of the match. And I can't take that 15 or 20 seconds. That was kind of just like, eh, and, and considering the fact that all the other good stuff, great stuff that happened in the match, and say, well, I didn't like the match because I didn't agree with, like, this 10 or 15 seconds. Uh, to me, I think you're just being bitter, and you kind of just need to get over yourself. And the fact that if you didn't like this match based on that spot, just that spot, I generally feel bad for you. And if I see you in public, I'm going to give you a hug. But if you didn't like the match because high speed is not your cup of tea, then I understand that. But don't let that little spot, whether you liked it or disliked it, take away from what was just a phenomenal performance and from two phenomenal wrestlers. Uh, if I'm Rossi Ogawa, as soon as that match is over, I'm literally going over to Mesa Ruga and I'm throwing a pen and paper in her face saying, you know, sign this contract. Uh, you know, we talk all the time. It's like, how much bigger can this roster get? They're constantly bringing in new people. Like, when's enough enough? Uh, Tekla's doing a phenomenal job. Mariah's doing a phenomenal job. Amy Sorry's doing a phenomenal job. I want to see May Saruga in stardom ASAP. And I did not know that uh, the, the end game here is for a tag team for May Saruga and Azumi. It seems like that's what they're building. So kudos to you, good sir, for always doing your research. Because if that's the route that they're going, then probably you'll see May Saruga probably in Queen's Quest sometime this year. Maybe, maybe. And Colin Matthew on Patreon actually said, I'm glad you um, sort of, veered into the uh, the discourse around this match. Um, Colin Matthew on Patreon actually said, can you talk about the folks' treatment of the high-speed match? I've seen a ton of attitude towards it, or more specifically the comedy spot at the beginning. Fans can like what they like, I get that, but the judgmental opinions have driven me nuts. And that's sort of what you said. I mean, if you isolate 15 seconds of a match, you can you can make it say whatever you want. You can make it fit whatever narrative you have. Um, I think this was always going to happen, when Dave Meltzer announces the best women's wrestling is in stardom, because unfortunately wrestling, though I want it to be a place where everyone is allowed to have their own opinion, you can't. You can't have your own opinion without it being shot down, um, which is unfortunate, but that's the uh, the culture that we live in, the social media culture that we live in. Um, obviously, there's one very high-profile person who has come out and said, uh, oh, so this is the best women's wrestling, is it? And it's that bit where... Azumi and May Saruga have uh, run around the referee, but the chances of that person having watched the entire match is very slim. And basically, not to be horrible, but are seeking 
relevance by saying something controversial. And they they were shot down significantly by the likes of Kenny Omega and Lance Storm. So I'm not going to say much more about that. But the fact is, you know, this was a good match. If you didn't like it, you watched the whole match and it wasn't for you, then that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. However, if you're just going to isolate one moment from a match and say, well, this isn't very good, then then what's the point? If you're watching wrestling to be miserable, do something else. Stop. Yeah, please please stop. Yeah. Please stop. If, if you have a podcast or a meeting where you're supposed to talk about something and you're just going to bury it, that's like Rob saying, hey, Matt, come over to my house. I'm going to play this video game, Mario 3. I'm like, okay, great. And I drive over to his house. I get beer, pizza, and I'm like, oh, tell me about this game. And you're like, man, it sucks. This is terrible. We're going to have the worst time playing this game for an hour. <laughs> Why am I wasting my time? We you may as well just kick me in the nuts and send me home. You know, what's the point? I mean, I've figured out that if I invite you to my house, you're going to bring pizza and beer, and all I've got to do is kick you in the nuts. So, that, I mean, brilliant. <laughs> but, yeah, like, you know, I'm not I'm not going to flog, flog a dead horse. I mean, again, Watch some. Th- watch the things you like. Don't watch the things you don't like. I mean, I I don't understand why that is so difficult for people sometimes. Um, but as for this match, as for my opinion, Matt, you've pretty much hit the nail on the head. I thought that some of the stuff that these two did was tremendous. I thought Mesa Rugger's reversals in the ring towards the end were absolutely phenomenal. It takes a lot to keep up with Azumi, and Mesa Rugger did that fantastically well. Um, and it seemed like Azumi was having a ridiculous amount of fun wrestling may as well i mean she seems like she seems like the high speed version of you just relentlessly happy and positive and it's infectious so i'm not surprised in the slide that azumi seemed to be having the best time um i gave it four and a half stars matt i i thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed this and what a rain azumi's having yeah i had a four and three four stars and here's something else you have the high-speed belt. We talk about this, you know, from time to time. Like, is Azumi too big for the high-speed belt? At the same time, what do you have her do? You have her lose to Sherry. You have her lose to Saya or, you know, or whatever. But it's, it's at a point where it's like, I think at the age of 19, you can keep her this division for a year, two years, three years, and she's still going to be in her young 20s. You're not throwing away her, her career. What you're doing is you're building this belt up. And for all intents and purposes, in my eyes, this is the fourth biggest belt in the company. Obviously, you have the red belt is one, the white belt is two. I'm a tag team guy, so I'm going to put the goddesses belt three. Um, and Jesus, oh, Mayu wins the SWA belt, <laughs> takes it all over the world. And wrestling on a pay-per-view in front of almost 20,000 people. Jeez, that's another story for another day. But it's at a point where Rossi Ogawa can look at this match and be like, I can do this at a rematch in Cork and Hall, or I can do a Zumi versus uh, Natsupoi or Koguma. At, at Cork and Hall, and I can sell eight, nine hundred tickets, you know, with a solid undercard based on the third or fourth biggest belt in the company. That's insane. I don't think any other wrestling promotion in the history can ever say that. I don't think Vince McMahon was looking at 1997 saying, you know, what, I'm going to sell at Madison Square Garden with a European belt. No offense to D'Lo Brown or whoever was holding that belt. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not yeah, yeah. to happen. Like, you can do eight, nine hundred people with Azumi as a high speed title match in the main event. Again, you know, you give it a, a good supporting cast solid underneath, but it's just like, geez, like this is their fourth biggest belt. And this is the match on a pay per view to me was the best match of the show. And the match for either good or bad is getting more buzz than any other match on this crowd, just on this card, excuse me. It just goes to show you just how fantastic Azumi is. And again, take nothing away from 
uh, May. I, I, I'm completely blown away by her performance, and I hope what we see her full-time on the starting roster as soon as possible because she totally deserves it. Now, I'm going to say something now which will probably put over just how much I liked Mesa Rugger. I've never been interested in Gato move. From the bits I've seen, it just it hasn't interested me. It's sort of, you know, it looked a bit too comic, uh, comedic for me to watch, to enjoy. However, seeing Mesa Rugger has made me want to check out that show. That's how much I enjoyed her work. Completely wrong-footed me with how good she was. And I'm really, really made up that she had such a good performance here. Um we move on then to the Cinderella tournament final. Uh, Mirai defeating Kogama with the Mirror Mare Shock in 11 minutes and 45 seconds to become the Cinderella tournament winner. Uh, Matt, what was your opinion of this match? Are you happy for Mirai? Did you think she's a worthy winner? Um, did you sort of guess that it was going to be Mirai beforehand? Yeah, when this match first started, I kind of figured this was what the way they were going to go with this one. But I'm going to ask you a question, sir. You know me. I'm a merchandising and marketing guy. So we talked about how uh, uh, Kagama, her ring entrance is now the ice cream cart that uh, drives by my house every day. <laughs> so I'm sitting here watching this match at like 5 in the morning or whatever, and she comes out. And after I'm over the initial shock that she made the final, I was like, yeah, good on her. She's a phenomenal performer. What do you think about this T-shirt? Would this be a T-shirt that you would buy? It would be a picture of Kagama driving the ice cream truck with a bear on the ice cream truck with her with her head halfway out the window waving. And then at the end of the ice cream truck, you see the dust from the exhaust. And then behind that, you see Mayu eating a fudgicle with the fudgicle all over her face like she's like an eight-month-year-old child. Like, would, <laughs> would that be a T-shirt that you'd be interested in buying? Dude, that's going to be the next Stardom Cast T-shirt. I don't know what you're on about. <laughs> hey, I'm going to give... Here's what, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give uh, the fine folks over at Stardom until the start of the five-star Grand Prix to start to, to make that shirt. If not, I'm going to my archive, and that will be our new logo. <laughs> I cannot wait for that to be a T-shirt. Um, yeah, no, I think... Have, I think merchandising Kogama ice cream based on her uh, based on her entrance theme is a great shout um, because every time now every time I hear a theme I'm like oh would murder some Ben and Jerry's um, but aside from that aside from my Pavlovian response to Kogama's theme um, I thought this was another really good match Matt yeah I thought the psychology was really good it's like right from the get-go Mariah's try again these two ladies wrestled earlier in the day or earlier like or just earlier and, uh, you know, you want to get in and out of this as quick as possible. Uh, Mirai, right from the get-go, is trying to fire those left-handed lariats. And uh, Kagama just keeps, you know, moving out of the way. And even some of the ones, she's cradling uh, Mirai up. I mean, she's, like, you know, desperate to hit one of these left-handed lariats. Um, Kagama winds up hitting a big dive to the outside. I thought that was really cool, considering the fact that it's like, well, were they going to go over the top rope? I thought it was really smart how the cameraman showed that the fact that she stepped in between the second and third rope, it didn't go over the top, so it didn't count as a, an elimination. I thought it was really cool. Eventually, uh, you know she's going to hit that Larry, and she hits a series of them. She hits like two of them right in a row, That it's just like, geez, if that's the finish, I'm all for it. And she goes for a third, and after she's already missed a whole bunch, she misses this third, and then there's like two roll-ups like back-to-back that got really, really close that the crowd really, really bit on. Uh, eventually, Mariah hits the uh, the sit-out DVD. What, what does she call that move, Rob? You're the, you're the note guy there, my man. The Miramare Shock. 
Miramax shock. Yeah. Uh, for the win. I thought that was, that, that was really, really good. Uh, really, really solid. I thought that Kagama's stock went up really, really huge. Again, I think me and you and everybody had her out. I think the second round of Julia, uh, just about everybody. So, uh, pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people want to see Hazuki win it or get to the final. But at the same time, hey, good on them for doing something different because now you just push somebody else that's been doing an absolute fantastic job this past year and, you know, getting the crowd going, um, getting the most out of her opponents, getting the most out of her matches, making sure when she's in these multi-person matches that she's giving enough to Hannah, she's giving enough to Momokogo, making sure everybody's in the right spot. So this is just, you know, even though she didn't win the tournament, this is still a really, really big push for her to get this, you know, semi-main event spot in front of over 2,000 people. So they did a really, really good job with this tournament by getting a lot of people over. Uh, but I thought this was, you know, really, really uh, a solid tournament. And now I have to ask you there, uh, Mr. Rob Goodwin, how many people do I owe books and T-shirts to? Believe it or not, not one person that entered our tournament and there was many of you thank you to all our patrons for that not one person guessed that mirai and kogama would be the final and not one person guessed mirai would be the winner the closest that we had was um friend of the show brandon who um i believe had natsupoi making it to the final so he was the closest i think the only person oh, no, I don't think I don't think there was anyone. I will go back and check just to doubly make sure because I might be inundated with responses going, I had Mirai in the final, but I don't think anyone had Mirai in the final. Here's so, what I'm going here's I'm sorry, sir, go finish. No, please. Here's what I'm going to do, uh, just because I absolutely love our listeners and love the fact that uh you guys let me uh, give me a couple hours of your time every week. If you are a part of our red belt tier, and I'm going on the honor system. I know Rob probably has a list. I'm going on the honor system. If you are a part of our red belt tier, send me a message on Twitter or Instagram, Matt Turner OF, and I will send you either a digital copy or a physical copy, your choice of Rob's book. Um, if you already have Rob's book, send me your address and your t-shirt size, and I will send you either one of my t-shirts or the Stardom Cast t-shirt. Um, again, if there's a whole bunch of you, I'll probably do like one every like two or three weeks just to spread out the cost. Uh, but because of, you know, just how well, um, the responses and all the positive feedback we get that, that is something that I want to do. So if you're a red belt tier member, please, uh, you know, hit me up on my social media, you know, DM me and I will get either the books out to you or again, if you already have the books or if you want a second copy, Hey, why not? I have a lot of copies of amazing Spider-Man 361. So, uh, <laughs> if you want another copy of no, he should at my own cost because uh, I just I love you guys and I we all we appreciate the uh, the positive feedback and the time that you give us every week. You're a good dude, Matthew Turner. You're a good dude. Uh, hey, I try to be. Um, I gave this one three and three four stars. Yeah, I was the same three and three quarters. I thoroughly enjoyed the match, even though there was a sense of inevitability about it. But at this point, it didn't ruin the match for me. I am slightly surprised. The only thing I'm surprised about is that non, not one match reached 15 minutes in this tournament. Yeah, that's pretty odd. And I think they, they didn't they do like a 10-minute time limit all the way up until like the semifinals? I believe so. I believe so. So both the semifinals, I think the Hazuki Kogama match went just over six, and then Mirai and Natsupoi went just over eight. And then the final, obviously we had handful of 10 minute draws in the in the under in the uh, early rounds of the tournament but the final went under 12 
Very, very weird. I thought we'd get at least 15 out of the final, Matt. Yeah, that I, you know, I didn't even take that into consideration. But yeah, I mean, I guess it was kind of just like, I don't know, maybe a preview for the next high-speed challenger. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, yeah, all in all, I thought it was a, a solid tournament. Guessing. Now, here's another question for you, sir. When the tournament ended last year with Saya Kamatani winning, after a day or two of letting that settle in, did you say to yourself, I bet, in 2022 that Mirai is going to win the Cinderella tournament. Did you have that thought at all going through your head? I'll be honest, I didn't even know who Mirai was. Yeah, I knew that I knew that was going to be your answer. I totally, <laughs> I totally thought, I thought I threw a softball your way and you hit it out of the park. Yeah, and what does that go to tell you? It just goes to show you that they do a really good job spotting talent and having an idea kind of like what possibly they can probably do in the next handful of months, considering the fact that she wasn't a part of the roster up until after after the beginning of this year. I mean, it just goes to show you that they had real, it, considering the fact that like, it seemed like Tekla was the one they were pushing for the first like four or six weeks uh, when, when these two debuted as part of uh, Julia's, you know, um, unnamed uh, state are uh, underneath the Momo mask. So it's just, man, it just, it just goes to show you that they're just doing a lot of cool things over at Star. I mean, I didn't see anybody at all that was uh, disappointed with the result. I did see a couple people that disappointed that it wasn't Hazuki in the final because they thought it would have made it for a better final. And the fact, I think that majority of people, when this match started, I think they thought that, okay, yeah, Mariah's definitely winning. Where if we had Hazuki, it would have been more of like a 50-50. We weren't sure who was going to win. But yeah, like you, like you said, my friend, uh, again, it didn't, it didn't take me uh, away from, from the match at all. Thoroughly enjoyed it. So we move on then to the main event, Match 8, World of Stardom Championship match. Suri, the champion, defeated Himika with Vermilion World in 21 minutes and 24 seconds. Now, the 94th minute on Twitter asked us, has Himika's recent build-up for the Red Belt Championship match been one of the most underwhelming build-ups in recent times? I feel like we answered that earlier on in the... Um, in the podcast. Is there anything you want to add to that, Matt, before we talk about the match? No, not at all. We're not going to, we're not going to bury it. It's one of the, one of the things that we think stardom has kind of missed on this year. So we're just not going to, you know, beat on a dead horse. Okay. I think we talked about it enough. And on the back of that, what a bloody match this was. Yeah. Even though the buildup wasn't that good, Himika came out of this one. Again, it's not about who goes over. It's about who gets over. And both of these ladies got over huge, um, I know you're, I'm, I'm a fan of Himika. I'm not as big a fan as you are. I thought this was the best one-on-one singles match she's ever had. How about you? Was there a, was there a match that you thought that she had that was as good as this one or better as far as like a singles match? No, no, this okay. was, this was a fantastic exhibition of everything that Himika can do well. She had a match with Julia, I believe in October, 2020 for the white belt. And it was relatively divisive. I liked it. I know there was plenty of people who didn't. I thought this was tremendous. They had the perfect balance of Himika on the front foot and Himika on the back foot here. She was able to throw these brutish lariats and she was able to be sort of on the back foot with Suri locking in ridiculous submission moves and it was everything I wanted it to be. It didn't go stupidly long. A shade over 20 minutes is one of the shorter stardom title matches. And honestly, I loved every moment of it. I thought Himika looked great. I thought Suri continues to look fantastic. Honestly, can't say enough good things about this match, Matt. 
Yeah, this was right up my alley. I mean, we kind of had, had an idea it was going to be hard hitting. There was going to be several lariats and and uh, kicks and submissions and submissions transitions that uh, that we were going to see here. I thought that was it was really good. Those two power bombs that Hemika hit on Sherry Jeepers Creepers. I mean, I hope that they uh, I hope they had a doctor checking her eyes because I mean, it looked like she tucked her chin and she was able to swim out. And it looked like Hemika was able to protect her. But sometimes when you hit that force, that speed, man, you just don't know. Uh, I mean, just absolutely brutal. If I'm going to kind of be nitpicky on the one negative thing about this match, and I think we talked about in our preview, I thought the finish of this match was going to be like a series of strikes. Uh, we've seen, you know, uh, Sherry winning these these big matches with, you know, as you call her, nuclear finish, the Vermilion World. We've seen her win a lot of matches with submissions. So I thought, well, because she's so much, Himika's so much bigger, I think it's going to come down to like where she hits a, a series of strikes and like she hits a buzzsaw kick for the, for the win. I thought that was going to be the finish. There was a couple times where they did tease that. But Himika does something that I always, whenever I see a wrestler doing an independent show or even at this level or even, you know, for the big, you know, the, the big companies, AEW, New Japan or WWE, takes me right out of it is when the referee is doing the count and they're staring right at the ref. That, to me, completely gives it away that they're, they're going to kick out. Um, it, it, Chris Jericho is the best at not looking at the ref. You know, especially nine times out of ten, the ref knows the finish. The ref knows not when to when to, when to count out, count that person out. So they know they're not going to count out. So I don't know why you stare at the ref, or if you know the ref's cadence on the one two, you know when to kick out. So that was just my little nitpick there because Sherry was hitting her with these bombs of strikes, and I was like, oh, that might be the finish. And then Emiko was staring right at the ref. However, again, that's just me being nitpicky. I thought the match was fantastic. Uh, again, Emiko. Even even with the cold buildup, even with the loss here, again, you're in the main event of over 2,000 people. Uh, absolute solid banger of a match. I had this one at four and a half stars. And much to my surprise, she finished off, off with the Vermilion World, which I thought was absolutely super impressive how she was able to get her up there. Obviously, she used the ropes and then kind of had her squatter in like the electric chair spot. But the fact that she was able to do it and be safe with it and make it look devastating... I mean, what more do you want to close out your pay-per-view? Uh, tremendous, tremendous match. I mean, it goes without saying at the moment that Siri is the best women's wrestler in the world. For me, yeah. anyway. Um, which... I'll go even further. Go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go on. What were we going to say? Oh, I, I'm, I'll, I'll go even further. And I think it's... I'm going to kind of just backpedal here. I think that we've been so caught up on when they're going to put the belt on Momo. Like, when are they going to put the belt on her? When are they going to put the belt on her? That we've, we've almost kind of overlooked... Sherry's reign up until like the two back-to-back phenomenal matches she's had at World Climax and then this one. So I'll say like we're one quarter away through this year. April has ended. If you're asking me to give a tally on on your wrestler of the year overall, I'm putting Azumi at number three, Kazuchika Okada at number two, and Sherry at number one. I think Sherry is not only, only the best women's wrestler in the world right now. I think the role that she's been on since winning that title at the end of the December, I think she's the best overall wrestler in the world. I mean, she's doing tremendous things. I mean, from her first defense against Mirai, those back-to-back defenses against Julia and Mayu were fantastic. I know people weren't as hot on the Mayu defense. I loved the Mayu defense. Um, And then this match with Himika, which was fantastic. I mean, yes, she's fantastic, but she's so good at bringing out the better side of wrestlers. I mean, in this, we saw so much more aggression from Himika in this match. And then we saw Himika doing stuff that she'd never do before. When was the last time we saw Himika go to the top rope and do a dive to the outside? 
I mean, Jesus Christ. Like, I don't remember her ever doing that. Yet in this match, in this moment, she does it. And I loved it. I, re- I really did love it. Now, I have got an omission to make. Um, I was watching this match whilst I was doing the dishes because I'm a good little house husband. <laughs> Um, thank you man um and my girlfriend came in uh, and she watches no wrestling um she doesn't mind that i watch it at all um but she's got no interest which is fine and she came in as the video package started for suri and himika and what was the only part of that video package that my girlfriend watched? I will take when Sherry kisses Himika for $1,000, Alex. Uh, ding, ding, ding. That is correct. <laughs> yes. Um, honestly, she looked at me and went, oh, I'll see why you watch this now. I was like, no, it's not. It's not what it seems. Wait till they kill each other. Wait till they kill each other. But then every time Sherry's literally kicking the breath out of him. Himika's selling that kick beautifully, by the way. Just the noises she's making, gasping for breath. And I'm saying to Kirsty, like, listen, listen, look how hard she was kicking. And she's just look, sort of looking at me going, mm-hmm, yep. And I was like, no, <laughs> you don't understand. Um, but yeah, in response to what you said about the uh, staring at the referee, there was a couple of points where I did notice that. However, there was one moment where she was knocked glassy-eyed by one of the kicks. And that worked really well because she was not glassy-eyed and she was sort of already looking at the referee. Now, that worked really well because it didn't look like she was looking at the referee. It just looked like she was quite literally a case of, oh, my God, and then she kicked out. So that I don't mind. But, yeah, um, I do understand the whole uh, sort of staring dead at the referee. You know they're going to kick out. I know you're not the only one that's got an issue with that either. Um. Post-match, Suri then said um, that she is basically calling out Risa Sarah for a title match, so I assume that's the match we're getting next. However, she then said, make sure you take plenty of pictures of Mariah and her beautiful Cinderella dress before leaving. So straight away, putting the focus on the Cinderella tournament winner, which I thought was really, really good. Mariah comes out, blue dress, looks incredible. Um, and she says, I would like to challenge for the red belt. I think I need more time. So I would like to challenge for the white belt. So I'm calling out the next challenger of the winner of the fifth of the fifth, which is obviously the match between Saya Kamatani and Micah. So whoever wins that match, their next challenger is Mirai. Um, now, first things first, I think I think both of us, sort of assume that the winner of this will go after the Y belt. Seems it's it seems to be sort of a done thing now, doesn't it, that the winner of the Cinderella goes for the Y belt. Do you think that well first of all, thinking of the fifth of May, Sire or Micah? Awesome. I'm gonna it, it, it's I know where you're gonna go with these two questions and it's really you have three answers and neither can be the wrong answer, but if you're asking me for predictions which, considering in fact how well I did this on, on the well in the Cinderella tournament, take all your money and bet on exactly what I'm going to say. But I'm going to say Saya Kamatani comes out of the fifth as the uh, Wonder of Stardom champion. Okay. Does Mirai beat Saya? No, I think all that stock they're putting in Saya. She wins the white belt. She wins uh, wins that big match at the Tokyo Dome. They obviously have huge, huge plans for her. God's eye has let to lose anything. 
I mean, the only time I guess they lost is you can say Amy lost to Sherry, uh, but uh, you know she's in the Cinderella tour, but she's part of God's Eye as well. They haven't lost at all. So I think if you're going to have somebody from God's Eye lose, you lose it in a title match. I think that they're just going to keep pushing, keep that white belt on Saya for quite a while. So I'm going to say that uh, Saya wins both matches. Again, there's a very good chance that I'll be wrong. <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Um, I mean, you look at Saya, you look at Suri as well. I don't, I do not know who is going to take the belt off Suri. I, I wouldn't be opposed. I mean, records are there to be broken, aren't they? Let's be perfectly honest. I wouldn't be opposed to Suri sort of overtaking that reign of Nene Takahashi. Okay, that 602-day reign as champion. I think if you're going to have someone beat that reign, why not be Suri? She is knocking match after match after match out of the park. She's not being this dominant champion that's burying competitors. Mayu's best match this year has been with Suri. Mirai's best match this year has been with Suri. Julia's best match, Himika's best match have all been with Suri. So she's elevating talent. Keep keep her there. Keep her at the top of the card until you have got a legitimate reason to take it off her. Keep her at the top of the card. 602 days is what? Just under two years? I mean, you're looking at, what, 18 months, I think, or just under? So you could quite easily have her hold it till Christmas and then hold it through till June next year. I don't think there's a single stardom fan who would be opposed to that. Oh, Robin, and I was getting ready. It was on the tip of my tongue, as always. We're half a world away. You literally took the words right out of my mouth, brother. I was going to say... Since she's won this red belt, she's had arguably Utami's best, or even the the time limit drop, probably Utami's two best matches mm-hmm. that Utami's ever had. She's had, in my opinion, Julia's best match at World Climax. She's had the best Mayu match this year. Mariah's, again, we haven't seen a lot of Mariah. Mariah's best match ever, and Himika's best match ever. You take, uh, and, and again, if she continues doing this, you take out the Io Shirai red belt reign, the V14 that we covered on the Patreon. You're literally looking at arguably back to back to back the three greatest red belt reigns of all time. Mayu, Yutami, and Shiri. I mean, it's just like, you know, Mayu's great. We're going to take the belt off and put on Yutami. Ah, is that a good idea? It worked out well. Yutami's on a roll. Houses are up. We're going to take the belt off and put on Shiri. Is that a good idea? Ah, houses are up. So it's just like, yeah, exactly. You know, we, we keep saying that, okay, when's the belt going to go on Momo? Oh, I, man, we're not just yet. And then our prediction, we keep saying that. We think Julia's going to win the five-star and then beat Sherry at, um, at uh, Wrestle Qu- uh, Dream Queendom at the end of uh, this year. Might not be such a good idea. May, I mean, not that Julia doesn't deserve it or wouldn't make a great champion, but I think Sherry's just, again, you, you nailed it, brother. Just home run after home run after home run. She's doing fantastic with the belt. She's a great champion. She's getting her opponents over. She's getting the promotion over. The house, like I said, the houses are up. It's an old school promoter thing. If your champion is drawing really well and business is up, why change it? You know, if it's not broke, don't fix it. So I wasn't necessarily thinking about her holding the belt, beating Nene's reign, but man, if she keeps doing this and business is good, you know, don't change the formula. You know, they haven't changed the formula for Coke, and I think they're doing well. So Coca Cola, that's Coca Cola there. I'm glad you clarified. Um, <laughs> <laughs> something that I will say is, like, and I, I don't want to compare it to Okada's reign, you know, that mythical reign. 
But you look at that and everyone was like, well, who's he going to drop the belt against? You know, and every time people would be tuning into the pay-per-view to see who is going to beat Okada. And that could be where we get to with Suri. Who have we got left to beat Suri? Is it going to be Utami again? Is it going to be Momo? Is Mayu going to get another go? Are we going to have that rematch between Suri and Julia? And I think that sort of, that hook will be enough to keep people coming back. And again, I think that's what it should be. Whether it is, who knows? I mean, it could be. I mean, something I... Something I did forget to point out uh, during the news segments, and I've just realized this, um, at SG underscore OXXT on Twitter, um, translated a Tokyo Sports um, article that they did with Suri. And apparently, Suri once had offers from two leading US wrestling promotions, but turned both down. Now, obviously, we can assume that one of them was going to be WWE. Um Depending on how long ago it is, it could have been AEW, it could have been TNA, who knows. But she said, I have no regrets about joining Stardom. I'll work hard so I don't lose to Kana or Asuka. I would like to have a match with her at the Tokyo Dome someday. I mean, imagine that for the Red Belt at the Tokyo Dome. Whenever they run the Tokyo Dome, obviously I'm assuming, you know, the Tokyo Dome is in the next couple of years, not in like, you know, 2026 or something. But imagine that for the Red Belt. Suri versus Asuka on top. I mean, we're assuming that Asuka's going to be not in the WWF, but, you know, at the rate they're letting talent go, she might not be. Um, but what a match that would be, Matt. It doesn't even have to be for the Red Belt. That just, you know, give that thing 12, 15, 20 minutes. But, I mean, the possibilities of, of and I think, Rossi Ogawa, and again, this is, we can literally spend two hours on this subject alone. I think he said in 2024 or 2025, he wants to run the Tokyo Dome. And I have some theories about, like, if he's going to go on that statement, obviously starting going the way that it is. I think in the back of his head, he knows he's going to have to bring some wrestlers that have been on the that giant, giant stage to kind of draw 30,000, 40,000 people. But yeah, uh, Sherry versus Asuka, Kana. Oh, boy. Yes. Yes, please. Take my money. Here, I'm, I have my wallet in my hand right now, and I'm literally throwing it at a wall. Here, take it. Take it. <laughs> but no, overall, another really, really good pay-per-view offering. I don't think there's been a bad pay-per-view show from Stardom this year. Um, they keep knocking it out of the park, so fingers crossed this continues. Obviously, we've got a couple of big shows coming up. We've got the show from the 5th of May, which we'll be looking at in a moment. We've got the show from Motorboard City Gym at the end of this month. We've got the Battle in the Top show in June as well. So loads and loads of things coming. Now, what I'm going to do is we're going to preview the Golden Week matches or just because... I don't know when, obviously me and Matt haven't discussed how this is going to work yet, but obviously we've got a lot of shows in a very short amount of time from Stardom because it's Golden Week, um, where there's basically a new show every single day. Um, and then we've got the pay-per-view as well, the uh, Fukuoka Goddesses Festival. So we'll talk off air and we'll lay over via Twitter, Patreon, Discord, you know, the usual channels, how we're going to do this. But I'm going to do the preview for all of the Golden Week matches and dates and then we'll sort of talk about how we're going to do this so may 1st which as we record has already happened but has only just gone on to stardom world we open with a singles match tekla versus momo kogo we've then got azumi and hina versus starlight kid and ruwaka 10 woman tag ddm julian may sakurai natsupoi himika and micah taking on the stars team of kogama hazuki mayu iwatani saya and hanan 
Um, Semi-main is a six-woman tag. Utami, Saya Kamatani, and Lady C of Queen's Quest taking on Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima, and Rina of a Uedo Tai, and then the main event of May 1st in Hiroshima is, of course, God's Eye with their new addition, their bodyguard, X Konami, Siori Amisori, Mirai, and Konami against the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi Sayaka, Mina Shirakawa, and Waka Sukiyama. I'm assuming you haven't seen this card yet, Matt. Oh, I did, and I made a mention on Twitter. They did show the entrance of God's Eye, and I made a mention that Sherry came out third. They all came out to Sherry's theme. Sherry came out third and gave Konami the fourth entrance, which some people might not think that's a big deal, but somebody who grew up watching wrestling in the 80s with the last person on your show to make the entrance is your champion and your star. The fact that on that match that uh, Sherry gave Konami the fourth entrance over her I thought was really, really good. But no, I'll be watching it probably in about an hour or two. I will be completing that show tonight. And God bless all of us for watching five shows in five days. (laughs) Um, I mean, going through this card, a lot of them are simply multi-woman tags. Um, But there are a couple of hidden gems on there. So I'm going to fire through them and sort of highlight a couple of the hidden gems for you. So we've then got May 3rd, which is Stardom Golden Week Fight Tour Night 2 from Nagasaki Prefectural Gymnasium. Uh, We open that show with a tag team match, Hanan and Koguma versus Saki Kashima and Ruwaka of Oweretai. We've then got Natsupoy and Himika of Donna Del Mondo taking on the Queen's Quest team of uh, Azumi and Lady C. Uh, a six-woman tag follows that with Queen's Quest, Utami, Sayakamatani, and Hina taking on the Oeditai team of Moa Watanabe, Starlight Kid, and Rina. And then our two main events, we have got the God's Eye team again, Suri, uh, Mirai, Amisori, and Konami taking on the Stars team of Mayuiwitaoni, Sayaida, Hazuki, and Momo Kogo. That's going to be very, very good. And then the main event, DDM, Julia, uh, May Sakurai, Tekla, and Micah taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi Sayaka, Mina Shirakawa, and Waka Sukiyama. Um, we then head into the show from the 4th of May, which is from the Kumamoto City Distribution Information Center. Of course, this is night three of the Golden Week Tour, and the card is as follows. Singles match, Hina versus Rina. Tag team match, uh, DDM, Tekla, and Natsupoi versus the Stars team of Momo Kogo and Hanan. Um, we have then got a eight-woman tag with the DDM team of Julia, May Sakurai, Himika, and Micah taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi Sayaka, Mina Shirakawa, and Waka Sukiyama. Um, second from the top, we have got an eight-woman tag again, the Stars team of Mayu Iwatani, Saeeda, Kogama, and Hazuki taking on the Uedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight Kid, Saki Kashima, and Ruwaka. And then on top, we have got the God's Eye team of Konami, Siorime, Sakurai, and Amisori taking on the Queen's Quest team of Utami Hayashista, Sayakamatani, Azumi, and Lady C. Um, we then take a break from the Golden Week fight tour to get into the Fukuoka Goddess Festival, Stardom's next pay-per-view from May 5th from the Fukuoka International Center, which is, I believe, a Thursday as we record the um, card is as follows. So a singles match between Wakasukiyama and Hina. A six-woman tag match, Hanan, Saeeda, and Momokogo versus Saki Kashima, Ruaka, 
and uh, Rina from Oweratai. We've then got a six-woman tag team match, the Utami, Hayashista, Azumi, and Lady Sea Queen's Quest team, taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam Nakano, Yanagi Sayaka, and Mina Shirakawa. Um, there's then a God's Eye versus DDM elimination match, which should be very tasty, with Suri, Mirai, Amisori, and Konami taking on the DDM team of Julia, Himika, Natsupoi, and May Sakurai. And then we've got our three title matches. The SWA World Championship match, Tekla versus Mayu Iwatani. The Goddesses of Stardom Championship match, a rematch between the champions Black Desire, Starlight and Momo Watanabe, and Fukuoka Double Crazy, Kagame and Hazuki. And then the main event is Saya Kamatani from Queen's Quest and the hometown girl, Micah, for the Wonder of Stardom Championship match. Um, we're not going to go through every single match on this card, Matt, um, or indeed every single match I've just gone through, because good grief. Um, God bless you. But those top three matches from the Fukuoka Goddess Festival, um, let's just give our predictions for that, and then we can all laugh when we're wrong. Um, so the SWA belt, are we in agreement that Tekla is dropping this to Mayu Iwatani? Yeah, and this is, if like, I'm pulling for a prediction. Um, uh, and I think Tekla's done a great job with the belt and a great job since she's been in stardom. But I'm pulling for Mayu for several different reasons. One, it'd be nice to see her, the Grand Slam champion. Two, hopefully our prediction where we see her on the AEW pay-per-view and a couple of other shows to be true. And just to, you can take your biggest, you know, one of your biggest stars and you're going to spread the word of stardom all over the world. I just think it would mean more for stardom and women's wrestling if that's the direction you go. And I think the only person in the company that can do that right now would be Mayu Iwatani. So, uh, yes, uh, I know this podcast has not gone long enough. So I figured I'd give you even a longer answer. Yes, Mayu is winning the, <laughs> Mayu's winning the SWA belt. I mean, I agree with you. The 94th minute again on Twitter has asked, how would you rate Tekla's SWA championship reign, considering it could be coming to an end against Mayu? How do you think she's done with the belt? Pretty solid. Again, she's had to follow Sherry, who did a phenomenal job with the belt and never lost it. Uh, if you're going to give me a, if I'm going to have to give it a grade, I'd give it a solid B. I thought she's done very well with it. Yeah, she hasn't had a great deal of title defenses, has she? I mean, she had a match against Saki Kashima. She had a match against, was it Ruaka? What? Ruaka, yeah. Um, so she hasn't been given that, you know, I don't want to be disrespectful. Saki, obviously, I thought was a good match. I thought she deserved that title match. Ruaka, it was a good sort of, almost sort of testing the water of how she would be above that future of stardom level. Um, but she hasn't been given the caliber of opponents that Suri was given. So, you know, it was, ne it was never going to be that. And like you said, I think it suffered a little bit from following Suri's reign. Um do I feel like she's been a little bit of a placeholder champion? Maybe. But ultimately, do you know what? Who cares? She's put on good matches. She's been entertaining. So, yeah, I'd be, at the lowest, I'd be B-. minus. But, yeah, it's it's been a solid enough reign. Um, and then the top two matches, obviously, you don't see Sayaka Matani dropping the Wonder of Stardom Championship. If I'm honest, neither do I. What do you feel about the champ the uh, Goddess of Stardom Championship matches. You know, I don't know. Uh, originally, I'm like, well, I think it's going to stay on Momo and Starlight Kid, but I wouldn't be shocked if they kind of just play hot potato with it and put it back on uh, FWC because it is in Fuoka, right? Mm -hmm. And you just had Hazuki in the semifinals, Hogama in the finals. 
I, that's the hardest match for me to predict. So what I'm going to do, Rob, if you remember for when we did our uh, review, our predictions for their, their for the title match at World Climax, I had time limit draw, and I'm going to put my all eggs in all the baskets for this one's going to be the time limit draw. How about that one? How's that for a comment? It would not surprise me at all if this is the time limit draw. <laughs> um, either way, I don't see Black Desire dropping the belts. Um, I, I'm hoping that once Sayakamitani has beaten Micah, once Sayakamitani has beaten Mirai, I'm hoping that Hazuki is the next challenger. But I'm not holding my breath. We'll see. We'll yep. see. Yep. Um, I'm not going to go through every single match of the other two um, Golden Week Fight Tour matches because we'll be here for days. What I will do is, though, I will highlight um, Night 4 from May 7th in Eddie and Arena Osaka because there's a couple of interesting matchups on that card. We have got... Um, what's the match I want? Ah, here we go. Semi-main event. We have got... Um, God's Eye, Suri, Konami, Mirai, Amisori, taking on the Oweratai team of Black Desire, Saki Kashima, and Ruwaka. The first time Konami will have faced Oweratai since she left to join God's Eye. So that could be very, very interesting. So keep an eye on that one. Um, and then May 8th, which is from the Nagoya Congress Center Hall, night five of Golden Week Tour. Um, there's a singles match between Azumi and Kogama. And there's also a Captain's Fall tag six-woman tag match between uh, the Queen's Quest team of Utami, Saya, and Lady C, the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mina, and Yunagi, and then the DDM team of Micah, Tekla, and Mei Sakurai. So a couple of interesting footnotes on those two cards. But again, a lot of Golden Week is uh, undercard tags or multi-woman tags, should I say, not undercard tags. So, uh, yeah, keep your eye open for those. May 15th is a Corrigan Hall show, but we will preview that on the next show because I'm aware I have thrown a lot <laughs> of uh, dates at you. I just want to end with a last question. Now, Stretch on our Discord actually put this uh, as a question for a while ago, but it didn't get put in for one reason or another um and his question is this and it's actually been answered by a couple of people in our discord but i just want to hear what you've what you think about this matt so will stardom's over pushing of outside talent over their homegrown talent cost them in the long run i'm thinking of suri versus mirai which was a fine match but if utami retained over suri then we had Utami lose to a freshly turned Momo as one example. The other being Starlight Kid having a claim matches versus Suzumi, then against Kairi, only to lose round one of the Cinderella tournament to uh, Natsupoi. Thanks. Now, we've had a couple of interesting responses in our Discord. Armani Shoe Exchange pointed out that this is definitely a point that will always be important to make. Rossi does not care about anyone's homegrown status, and by all accounts, Stardom's fan base doesn't either. Many of the most popular wrestlers in the women's history have, uh, sorry, in the company's history have come from elsewhere. Io Shirai being a huge example of that. Kagetsu, Hannah, Tam, Julia, they've all been sort of bought in from other companies what's what's your opinion of this I see their point of view on there um i i see where they're coming from i i've said this three or four times this podcast and i'm gonna say it again what are the houses doing they're up so 
at the end, that's that that's your that that's your final score. That's your ticker taper. That's what you want to base it by. What is business doing? It's up. You know, eighty two percent or whatever. You know, it's it's up. So it's like, yeah, I see your point of view. Uh, in the long run, where is it going to go? You're bringing in fresh talent. Uh, you know, you're getting a lot of lot more eyes on the product. So I'm going to say that uh, I think what they're doing right now is is just fine. Yeah, and Velkage as well um, put in a little bit of a more long-winded response, which I'm sure he'll find funny. Um, but he explained it really, really well, basically saying if a wrestler's signed to stardom, they are a stardom wrestler. So, And that's a very good way of putting it, to be perfectly honest. Irrelevant of where you start, okay, if you are signed to stardom, you are a stardom wrestler. And he's sort of highlighted the last couple of title holders. So the red belt, Yutami Mayu, B, Kagetsu, Tony, Mayu, and then Io. So Yutami's homegrown, Mayu's homegrown, um, Mayu's homegrown. So then there's Tam, Julia, Arisa, Momo, Io, home, home, Jul- um, Arisa's home, Momo's home. Um, there's quite a few in those title pictures that are homegrown talents. So I wouldn't worry too much. Stretch is basically the uh, it's basically the summary of that question. Um, it's not seen in that way by the important people in Stardom. It's a case of, as Velkich so wonderfully said, once you are part of Stardom, you're a Stardom wrestler, irrelevant of where you've been prior. Yeah, um, great, great question. Great question, though. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, really good question. Um, final couple of things just to put over. Um, the Dream Slam Weekly from Karen Peterson on post-wrestling go and check that out if you want to go and sort of find the wider range of joshi um puts out brilliantly it's just started this week really helped me with colors so please go and check that out also monthly puresu which obviously we had a look at with the q a with julia that's going to be released on the 8th of may so go and check that out in terms of our patreon bonus episodes on may 10th we are going to be releasing to a white and red belt patrons a match review of kagetsu versus hazuki from the eighth anniversary in osaka and then on the may 24th we are going to be releasing our show review of stardom x stardom 2019 which has got utami and b priestley on top for the red belt and orisa hoshiki versus jungle kiona in a critically acclaimed white belt match so looking forward to that thank you to all our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast um i'm just gonna read them all out now shout them all out because they're all fantastic joseph usher happy birthday i know your birthday's in may but i don't know when uh rob jones Niagara driver john owen Valkage bracket tom ed bc brandon neal steve clark Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, Mike, Jeff Baker, Steve Kaklamenos, Colin Matthew, Eric Sandoval, Ben Grimshaw, Devontae Walker, Glenn Lake 8, Darren Chatton, Chris Sensuelo, Plug Pedro, Andrew Watts, and our newest patron, Luis. Um, I just want to say I hope, obviously, Brandon is doing well in Japan. I think he's gone, or has he got his visa? One of those two things happened in early May, so either way, best of luck to you pal um but in the meantime thank you so much for listening guys we really 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 do appreciate it um subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts if you could leave us a five-star review and a comment that helps us so 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 much to fire up those podcast ratings and it also helps us to be exposed to more people um you can find us on twitter facebook instagram uh youtube all at the stardom cast uh you can talk to me on Twitter at, at Real Rob Goodwin. Matt, where can they find you? 
Find me on Twitter and or the Instagram, Matt Turner OF. And again, if you are a Red Belt tier member, uh, DM me and let's get you some free stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Always love some free stuff. Uh, and we'll be back in some form, I just don't know how yet, to do all of the stuff for Golden Week and to review the Thursday pay-per-view, uh, the Fukuoka Goddess Festival. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.